The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. Hello, this is Zack Sabre Jr., New Japan Cup winner 2018. And you're listening to Keeping It Strong Style with my mates. Enjoy. Yo, this is Rich Ladder from One Nation Radio. This is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We present to you the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Let's go. It's the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Covering New Japan, they ready to hold it down. Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Josh. Come and hit a job out in Barrio the Frost. From Tokyo Dome over to the G1. Social Suplex is the network where we can get it done. I'm a chiller. And let them have it Cause this is just an intro Keeping the strong style Six stars from the get-go, boy Yeah, from Tampa Bay to the Tokyo Dome This is Keeping It Strong Style With your hosts, Jeremy Donovan And the young boy, Joshua Smith And thank you for listening Welcome to the 200th episode Of Keeping It Strong Style The ace of podcasts On the Social Suplex Podcast Network Jeremy Alvin here with the young boy Josh Smith and Karen Peterson of Post Wrestling. On today's show, you'll hear our interview with Rocky Romero. Also, we'll review G1 Climax 31, nights 3 through 5, answer listener questions, and cover all this news in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. You can support our show by subscribing and following the Social Suplex Podcast Network or keeping a strong style on the podcast app of your choice and leaving a rating and review. You can also get all the podcasts and columns over at socialsuplex.com. Check out our Pro Wrestling Tees store, prowrestlingtees.com slash socialsuplex. That's where you can get your official Keeping It Strong style t-shirt. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider making a one-time or monthly donation by visiting socialsuplex.com slash donate and clicking on the donate button under the Keeping It Strong style logo. This week's episode is brought to you by the NJPW EXT, the only Browser extension for NJPWWorld.com with features like dark mode, improved translations and layouts, custom and shared playlists, synchronized viewing parties, and much, much more. It takes NJPW World to the next level, and you can visit NJPWEXT.US today for details. Young boy, Karen, how you guys doing? Doing well, man. I, I realized the other day that I haven't been on the podcast since, what, December of last year? Yeah. It's, it's, has it's it been, been that long? It, it's been that long. Like, I, I looked through the archive, and I'm like, I could have swore I'd been on. I, I, I could have swore it was sooner than now, but that I, couldn't find, I couldn't find anything. And I was, like, I was like, I know it hasn't been. Best of the Super Juniors was not the last time I talked to these guys. <laughs> Other it than might... when we were, in, we were in California, but... <laughs> That's probably why it doesn't feel like it was that long ago. Yeah. Right. Huh. But I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? Making it. We made it to the 200th episode. So Congratulations. <laughs> yeah, and uh, if you guys didn't hear, uh, you know, we announced Karen as part of Post Wrestling. So that's a big development for you as well. Congratulations on that. Thank you. I'm very excited. I'm, it's still very, very new. And in, you know, in my mind, it's like, well, I've only written one review. And I'm just like, wait, this is the start of something that I'm very excited to do. So, I mean, it is women's wrestling, but, you know. Hey, now. <laughs> <laughs> we're, 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 we're not going to. No, 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 young boy. We're not going to go through your rounds on this one. Uh-uh. No. I'm shutting that down. He's just trying to live the gimmick. <laughs> 
Oh. Do I get to thrash the young lion? Do I get to be, because I'm a heel now, as, as we've, we've gone over before. Yes, you know, some signs of uh, evil Karen on Twitter. <laughs> Why would you do? You didn't see me? She, she had the, the dark lipstick, the dark eyeliner. Oh, yeah, I, was, I saw I was, that. I was trying out some makeup for Halloween, and everyone's like, is she a heel now? I'm like, no, I'm just, just, it's hard to wear black lipstick without getting it all over your teeth. So it's like you have to practice putting it on the right way. So I know. I hate that. I have trouble I know, with that all the time. Sure, I'm sure you struggle with it all the time. Yeah, I do. When he's doing his uh, Stardust cosplay. <laughs> <laughs> I'd pay money to see that. <laughs> Well, uh, Karen, thank you for uh, joining us for our 200th episode celebration. And uh, you guys, right now, we're going to get ready to uh, throw to an interview that Josh and I did with Rocky Romero last week. Covered a number of topics, talked about New Japan Strong, the future there, talked about the Forbidden Door. We talked about the Rapungi 3K breakup. We haven't really heard Rocky's thoughts uh, since show and yo have broken up, so you'll hear his thoughts on them and chaos and yeah, this is an exclusive. Yeah, and uh, before- and 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 if he talks to any other you know media people, uh, I'm gonna freak out because I was told this was an exclusive interview. <laughs> you then you gotta you gotta get the edit and gotta you gotta upload it tonight, man. You can't, you can't beat around the bush on it. Times of one, the essence. One thing before we do upload it, I wanted to say you know it's well documented. You know, um, just how good of a friend Rocky Romero is to our podcast. But um, in all seriousness, it was really cool of him to come onto the show because we didn't reach out to him this time. Like he saw that we put out a tweet, you know, mentioning that it was our 200th episode. And he's like, when you guys have me on, like, you know, so the fact that he was like cool to kind of just reach out and, you know, kind of come back on the show. First repeat guest, you know, as far as like an interviewee. So. Uh, I thought that was really cool of him, you know, and uh, just wanted to put kind of put that out there. I'm sure he's listening. Uh, you know, you know how Rocky is. Well, I'm on the podcast, so of course Rocky's going to listen. Yeah, <laughs> Karen's a big draw. He, he's a Karen Mark. Who's not? Many people are. <laughs> Thank you. At least somebody's putting me over. Uh, well, before we go to that Rocky interview, um, like I mentioned, he's going to talk about the Rapungi 3K breakup, and we did have a question here from Reddit user Hawaiian Punch VB. And he says, how is Karen taking the Rapungi 3K split? How many sleepless nights have there been? Oh, my I'd God. I'd like to thank everybody for coming to my press conference today. It's been a very, <laughs> very trying time. There's no, no, this no. is not a video podcast. No one is seeing <laughs> I just this. I to do that for you guys. <laughs> I needed to make it light. No, it was one of those things when, you know, we, I was still in L.A. At, it was the day after Resurgence. Woke up, opened my laptop. I was ready to watch the New Japan World, made sure I didn't. You know, look at Twitter, or so I thought, because I left Twitter being the tab open on my my browser. So the first thing I saw was show giving yo the shock arrow, and I, I my feeling was like, it's about damn time. But yes, it, it wasn't the pattern I was expecting. I was expecting it to be the other way around. That yo was going to be the one to turn on show. And it was it was it was refreshing because sorry my dog is just being noisy noisy she she's not keen on the on three K breaking up either apparently it's all good. but <laughs> she's going through it she's like mm, no no we're not gonna talk about it mom it's fine it's fine we're fine <laughs> um but it's it's one of those things where they've been together for almost nine years at this point they need to split to grow 
whether it means they both turn heel or one turns face, it's left to be seen. Um, when I saw Rocky at the New Japan Strong tapings in uh, in LA, he was very optimistic for them. He was happy for them. He gave me a hug. It was good. It, it, it's like I got. I'm, I'm getting through it, but it's one of those things where I need the company to do right by them. And now they have the opportunity to make two stars because the junior division needs more stars. Well, the unfortunate thing is these wrestlers, they really live the gimmick. So friendship over, not traveling together anymore, not calling each other on birthdays, Facebook friends, that's done. It's over for them. <laughs> well, it, it makes it easy because Yo, when he got injured, deleted all of his social media. And when he came back, he brought back only Instagram, but he hasn't updated since their match, since prior to their match at the at the MetLife Dome. And I wonder. I wonder why he didn't uh, do a podcast with him the next day, talking about the angle that they ran and you know how successful it was or wasn't. Well, here's the thing: is that show <laughs> does the podcast for the junior heavyweights. The last time, one of the the very I think it was the second to last episode was when he had Yo on. Mm. And Yo made the comment, if either of us is turning heel, it's going to be show. He's the one who started wearing black before the, uh, to, to break up the color yeah, yeah, scheme. Yeah. So it was one of those things where like the fan usually when someone turns heel, like with like, when Evil did last year, they terminated all of his New Japan official blogs and everything like that. And they recently terminated Show's blog, but his podcast is still like a, like a, like a loose end. Because he hasn't done an episode since the summertime when he was still a babyface. So it's one of those things where people are hoping that they're not going to just like turn around and give it to Master Watto or to Gucci. Because <laughs> <laughs> show's podcast was actually really, really good. Um, but it's one of those things where in the match, I don't know if you guys noticed this, when, when show was about to get smacked with the chair... He had made this big deal about not calling Yo Yo-san anymore. He was like, no, you're just Yo to me. You're nothing. And he you know, basically dropped the honorific whenever he would address him. But during the match, he started begging Yo as Yo-san not to hit him. And yeah. Yo fell for it. So it's one of those things where when Yo was in the backstage area and he screamed and he's like, please give me time. I don't know if Yo is going to come back at Super Juniors a heel. Because the one place I thought he was going pick somebody else over the weekend and <laughs> or if he's gonna leave he says he's gonna stay in chaos but i'm just wondering if he's he's gonna go he go be a face somewhere i don't know lij or haunta i don't know what they're doing with him i genuinely don't know but i'm cautiously optimistic i'm not gonna stop cheering for either of them i'm not gonna pick one over the other i love them both and they know that so there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see what happens with those guys. I'm sure we'll all see that story will progress during the uh, Best of Super Junior World Tag League Tour that will be coming up at the end of the year. But uh, we're going to throw it to the Rocky interview right now. And after the Rocky interview, you're going to hear some uh, listener uh, shout-outs that people sent in um, congratulating us on 200th and giving their favorite memory of the show. And then we'll be back for uh, going over these reviews. Welcome to the 200th episode of Keeping It Strong Style. Jeremy Dahman here with the young boy, Josh Smith, and we are celebrating big this week. We have a very special guest joining us for a celebration, the former IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion, former eight-time IWGP Junior Tag Team Champion. 
He is Kazuchika Okada's best friend and our good friend, Rocky Romero. Rocky, how are you doing, man? I'm doing well, and I hope for the rest of my life, I can, that's like the highest honor is that you're just the Rainmaker's <laughs> best friend. <laughs> I just wear that proudly. I should get like a tattoo of him like on my face. You should, you should get the, uh, the Rainmaker logo, like the money, like the R with the money sign. Yeah, yeah, just like right here. You know, like on, on your neck. My... I see a lot of guys. You know, they have the you know the neck tattoo going on. A lot on of the boys do do neck tattoos. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, when when I had first met you <clears throat> a couple of years ago at WrestleMania weekend, and then we talked about it on the show, and you're like, "Hey, one day I'll come on." We we're like, "Yeah." It kind of became a running gag. We kept saying like our good friend Rocky Romero, <laughs> but you never came on the show. And then we and then we got you on for the hundredth episode, and we we're like, we can actually start calling him our actual good friend. <laughs> So same same relationship that I have with Okada is like a basically relationship. yeah. <laughs> Good to know. Good to know. Well, yeah, Rocky, thanks so much for joining us for 200 episodes. Uh, just uh, chatted up a little bit here for you, and uh, you know, one thing that I want to get your thoughts on is the the breakup of Rapungi 3K and your thoughts on the future of Show and Yo. Jumping right know. into it. Yeah, right. In, damn, hard hitting questions. Yeah. We, we go, we go in deep here. No man. wonder you don't show up every week. Yeah? Like, this guy's too much. No, um, no uh, uh, yeah, it's it's like a mix. It's a mixed bag of feelings, right? Because I feel like they were stagnant for so long, you know, and like there's only so much that I feel like they could do more in that division. I mean, I've felt that way in the past plenty of times. But I usually just got a new partner, you know, or something <laughs> happened where I just end up getting a new partner. So like, at least right. it was like a bit of a restart, you know, but, um, but especially kind of where the world is right now, I could see the frustration building and like, uh, as a, as a performer, as a wrestler that, you know, what, what stories are left to tell when you've already done it all at this point. So I don't blame show and the fact of like him wanting to move on past that and do something else and keep challenging himself. Because obviously we know that show has been such a standout in the last two years in singles competition, especially obviously he's a great tag team wrestler as well, but especially in that, that uh, singles role. So why not? I mean, if you want to make an impact, sometimes, you know, you gotta, you know, turn your, turn the knife and (laughs) knife in the back (laughs) in your partner's back, I guess. I've never done that. I've never done that. Well, I think I did that once. Well, everybody breaks up with you. The people turn their backs on you. They break that. See, I'm usually the yo in this case, and and I'm hurting because you know my best friend turned his back on me. But um, I mean, for yo, I I don't know. I think that he should. Uh, he really needs to take this opportunity to to come out strong. Obviously, they had that singles match uh, a couple weeks ago or whatever, but or uh, whatever it was. And but I feel like um, it's really the super junior that's going to be like the the. the Mm. that will determine where each one is is you know like how their performances are obviously the win losses matter but like really how their performances are and see if yo can really stand out as much as show is standing out at this point mm. yeah so when uh you go back to japan do you think you will continue to, to coach yo and team up with him and in, in chaos i mean i'm a i feel like i'm a chaos guy just for life because I'm going to go wherever Rainmaker goes, you know? Like, <laughs> I'm like Brutus the Barber Beefcake and Hogan, you know? So like, I'm going to go wherever the money is, I'm going to follow, you know what I'm saying? So, like, if Okada stays in chaos, he's chaos, I'm, I'm going to be chaos, you know, for sure. So, um, I mean, if Yo wants to follow me because I'm following the money, that would be smart of him, I feel like, you know? So if Okada joins Bullet Club, 
You're throwing up the too sweet. That's what we're hearing. <laughs> God, I hope that doesn't happen. <laughs> I would feel like such an asshole out of all these years. But uh, no, I'd actually maybe maybe that could be fun. I'd be like, I would just I would probably pop every time I go to do my fingers. They'd be all goofy. I'd be like, what am I doing? Well, I mean, you're you're kind of quasi Bullet Club. You're your best friends with uh, Machine Gun and a uh, big LG. K fame, K fame. Come on, man. This is a New Japan podcast. We don't talk like that here. Um, no, uh, yeah, no, that's true. That's very true. I mean, they're kind of former Bullet Club, though. Right, I mean, right. They're not, they're not current Bullet Club, right? You know, I know, like, there seems to be a – everybody seems to weigh in on who's Bullet Club, who's not Bullet Club. I mean, but I don't really feel like they're they're Bullet Club anymore. I mean, obviously, they're, you know, uh, they've got their own thing going on with the Elite and the AEW and Impact and everything. And so um, – yeah, I don't. I don't really consider them Bullet Club anymore. The real so. question is: is is Jeff Jarrett still Bullet Club? That's what I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, somebody's got to be funding the Bullet Club, right? I mean, that was his. Was it? Wasn't it him and Scott Demore yep. funding the Bullet yeah. Club? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, since we were talking about chaos, that that's a good point. Brings us to the next question here. You know, um, chaos has kind of gone through a lot of transitions the past couple of years been a lot of def- uh, defections you know will osprey jay white gato now show um what are your thoughts on the state of chaos and you know the the kind of blending between them and the hantai group you know what do you think is the future trajectory of the group you know as a whole because i think a lot of people are wondering that i think i feel like chaos has always been like you know in this uh, maybe like what stray dog army is in like new japan strong like <laughs> it's a bunch of guys who who just kind of didn't have you know weren't really finding their own way, like their own way so they kind of just ended up banding together out of chaos <laughs> you know so mm. like i feel like um you know obviously there there's been a camaraderie more in that core group like with okada especially the japanese okada yoshihashi yano um ishii have been like really that core group goto uh, so, I mean, you never know. I mean, that, that's kind of like, it's kind of the, the group that ever, it's the in-between group of like the Hontai, right? Now, this is before me, I guess, you know, now LAJ is kind of in a similar position. I feel as chaos is they're They're kind of in the middle. They're not heels completely. They're not baby faces. But now, uh, now that chaos and Hontai are kind of together, I feel like they're more of the baby face side. Right. So I don't know anything. like, I don't know. I have a feeling that, our, our, our group is always going to be a transitional group for a lot of wrestlers who, who want to be or want to move on to like whatever their next step is. I just have a feeling that that's it's kind of natural state in place. You know, it is chaos. Yeah. You know, we haven't seen any like, new additions in a while. I think probably Robbie Eagles, maybe that the last addition mm-hmm. to chaos. Um, and we're seeing a lot oh, of good call. A lot of other groups, like, you know, we're seeing Bull Club adding members like that Chris Bay and, you know, they're, they're, Manning up there, we're seeing you know Lij. They got Chingo recently. So, what's the plan for Chaos? Any any new you know recruits on horizon? I mean, I think the 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 biggest group that I could say that we could probably kind of we have that like uh, you know some line of of like brotherhood or like whatever. Like there's some kind of uh, family in there. Is is probably like the best friends group that in AEW, mm. you know, because. Obviously, Trent being a part of that, Trent being a good friend of mine, Okada's, and then there's that guy Chucky, who's a part of it. And, uh, <laughs> so you know, you never know. Like you could see, obviously, uh, like um, uh, Orange Cassidy or somebody. Maybe like I, I could see that kind of happening, or like some kind of 
team. Like if chaos, there's chaos guys that went to AEW. I could see that kind of being a being a thing, you know. Yeah, that would be cool. Orange Cassidy and Okada as a tag team would be just comic gold. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, that'd be awesome. Yeah, that would be sick. But uh, you made a, a quick return to Japan this year for the Summer Struggle Tour and Wrestle Grand Slam. What was it like being back in Japan, and especially in that clap crowd environment? Um, you know, I, it, I hadn't been in Japan for so long, and it had been so long since I like I wrestled. I think the last match I had had was um, after the Tokyo Dome, the uh, New Year's Dash date that we had and we did like a like a 10 man or something yeah so um so i mean it had been a long time so like for me it was just good to be like back in japan being in back you know back in front of uh, of the japanese crowd and i feel like they were like happy to see like somebody fresh even though i'm not like a fresh wrestler because i've been there for so long but like fresh in the mi- in the mix i guess sure mm-hmm. um so so i mean it felt good it felt, it felt good to be back i thought me and Taguchi had a really good showing that tour uh i think um the Tokido match that we had against ELP and Ishimura, I thought that was that was pretty right on to like my legacy of, of having those that junior tag match. Like I think it was up there with you know with the, with you know the ones with the Bucks and the scrambles and all the other ones that we had. So um, I was happy with it. Obviously, it's not the same being a clap crowd, and I I do hope that soon maybe whether it's by Tokido or after. Or, sooner than later that that they just uh they lift that that rule and uh and we can get back to just crowds at least cheering you know even if they're 40 at least at least just cheering you know sure well um like you said you haven't been in japan as much this year but on the flip side you've been doing a lot of interpromotional work here in the states um any favorite places that you worked this year favorite opponents matches that you know stand out to you opponents josh alexander is definitely somebody who stands out i think like he's kind of on the cusp of like probably doing something really big i feel like yeah, um, yeah. he has a big uh, impact title match coming up at bound for glory yeah against christian he does right right i mean that's gonna be that's obviously huge 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 um so i don't know i just i, I think he's kind of like our generation's kind of like kurt angle if you like we'll think about it, and, and not not just because he broke his neck, and he's like <laughs> an amateur wrestler, but like, um, but like he's just so solid, and I I think his story is really good. That it, you know he's not an overnight sensation. Like it took him you know twelve years, thirteen years to get to where he's at uh, just right now, and he's still not even there, right? We still haven't seen his full potential, but he's obviously a super hard worker. He's really gifted, and I think that there could be big things come you know come for him. And, uh, you know, at, and I would like to see him, you know, make that trip over to Japan and wrestle, you know, all the guys, you know, imagine him and Ishii, imagine, I mean, there's so many guys that he could wrestle and have really dope matches. Him and Goto would probably be really sick too. Like, um, and just that, that's a guy that I think that, that would make that crossover really easily. Um, MLW was a cool place to go to. I mean, AEW was fun doing dark. Um, I definitely like to go back to AEW at some point. Um, my I always have fun at ROH because like that's my like second home after New Japan. I feel like yeah, you know, yeah, I've the, always yeah, been the, able uh, to the rules match with uh, Freddie A. High. Yeah, that was a that was a great match. Fred is really really talented, Freddie A. High. Um, so it's really cool to have him be a part of uh, New Japan Strong now. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm willing to go anywhere and and, and everywhere minus AAA. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and 
that's a that's a shoot. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, speaking of going anywhere, you you did come to our home city of Tampa, Florida, for WrestleMania weekend for Bloodsport. Josh and I were out there. You wrestled uh, Chavo Guerrero. Uh, so the ghost, the ghost of Chavo. <laughs> yeah, they're the yeah. ghost. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but that was, you know, interesting setup there at the Cuban club here in Tampa. But is there any uh, different preparation that you go through for a, a blood sport type match? Obviously, it's not your traditional pro wrestling match. It's more obviously the more MMA shoot based style matchup, which you do have, you know, that MMA background and, you know, being trained in the original L.A. Dojo for Noki. Like, is there any like different mindset going into a blood sport match? Uh, I mean, like this pandemic was not good for me, like mentally preparing for wrestling matches like i just after the super junior kind of dropped out like i would i kind of checked out like like i i want i knew I, like motivation wise for like training and stuff i just completely checked out i just that was always like the the pinnacle for me for the year right so like preparing mm. for it like i was gonna go into you know like a like an mma camp was always important and then i just kind of fell out so like blood sport was like the one thing that kind of like got started to get me really excited so when when josh had asked me to do the first one against um simon gotch uh and, and it went really well I, like i started to get like kind of motivated again and uh so when i heard i was wrestling chavo I was like oh shit this is <laughs> this is gonna be pretty crazy because like obviously chavo's never wrestled and like blood sport style or like uwf style or anything like that so i mean I, like i was happy with it like you never know how it's going to go. And, and, and especially with somebody like Chavo, I mean, I never had a singles match against him. So it was pretty fucking dope. And, and I'm also, um, I'm a big Pepe fan. So like, <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of cool to kind of just like, Hey, I'm in there with a guy who I used to watch on nitro and like, you know, him and Eddie idolize, you know? So it's like, this is pretty sick, but um, preparation wise, um, I did go and train with Josh, I think like once, and then I'd like just I, I feel like most of that stuff is kind of just secondary to me. I mean, I drilled it every day for years and years and years, especially at the original LA Dojo. Like we barely did any pro wrestling training. <laughs> we were just getting our asses kicked <laughs> by whatever shooters Inoki brought in that week, you know. So um and Josh included. So um yeah, I mean I think the preparation had already been done years ago, yeah. Nice. Do you That's think we'll, funny. we'll see you yeah. uh you and Bloodsport <laughs> in the future? Yes, yes, yes. Yes, absolutely. I may be doing a different role coming up on the next one. Gotcha. Uh, so I hear. So, so referee. Yeah, I'm gonna be like, <laughs> who is that guy? Like Yamada or like with some kind of like ball referee? Who's that guy? Yeah, I may do that. Yeah, we'll see. No, that's cool. Um, so recently there was a Rapongi Vice reunion uh, in AW. You kind of alluded to it. Um, Obviously, Trent, he's kind of on the shelf right now, but is there any chance of a Rapungi Vice reunion on Strong? Or, you know, uh, could we even see you guys maybe challenging for titles in AW or somewhere else? I mean, I would love that. I would love that. And I I, um, I think that that could have been a possibility, Might maybe like if, if Trent didn't get injured. Uh, I think that easily could have happened. But um, it's kind of cool because I think like the spot that maybe I would have been in got passed to Wheeler which is dope mm. for him. And I'm really happy for him because I want to see him succeed. Like I believe in him a lot. Uh, yeah. So, um, so I mean like, you know, my old ass can just go in whenever, you know, so like whatever they, <laughs> they need me. Going but, for the hot uh, tag. <laughs> yeah. Just give me the hot tag, but Trent take all the heat like usual. But um, uh, yeah, like, like I, I, as soon as Trent's back, I mean, I don't know what his plans are, but somewhere 
down the line when he's ready. I, I would love to do that in AEW. I'd love to do that in New Japan Strong. Um, you know, I don't know. I mean, like, I, I'd love to see, I mean, not that New Japan needs another tag title, but like a New Japan Strong tag title, if, if it truly stays the way it is, the world is, you know, it's probably something that's going to have to be discussed at some point. So, like, why not have an open weight and why not have it, you know, like somebody like Rapungi Vice be involved? I think that'd be sick. And I think the, the fans would really love it. Yeah, that'd be great. Cool. You know, yeah, Strong is kind of evolving pretty much into its own little promotion. Yeah, you have you already have a strong open weight title. So, yeah, having a strong open weight tag titles could be cool for that show as well. Especially, there's a lot of teams there that are kind of forming. We see, like, the Stray Dog Army and teams forming there. The LA Dojo guys are kind of bonding together. So, it'd be cool for something for them team to go Team Filthy, for. yeah. Yeah, Team yeah. Filthy, yeah. Um, but speaking of championships, the last time that we spoke to you on the 100th episode, we kind of asked you about your you know, future goals or bucket list items. And one of the things you mentioned, you wanted to win the IWGP championship as Rocky Romero. Um, so the IWGP junior champ, uh, Robbie Eagles, he's in the U.S. right now. He's going to be a part of the, the Texas uh, tapings coming up. You know, could we get a, a future matchup between you and Robbie? Obviously, it's not scheduled for Texas, but you know, the Philly tapings are coming up. Do we see you and Robbie uh, in Philly? I mean, I don't know. I mean, like, like it's something that's obviously still very high on the list and, and number one. I feel like I got to do, like, my own thing a little bit right now to kind of prepare for it because, like, I don't feel like I'm in, uh, like, physical top shape to, like, go and do that. You know, like, I want to be, like, shredded and ready to go and like <laughs> right. maybe you know repackaged myself a little bit you know uh, and, and but i i feel like putting the pressure on me because I, I can procrastinate it sometimes if if um you know if the goal is to win it by 40 which is you know it's going to be my 39th birthday on october uh 28th it's basically kind of like that perfect year to maybe make that story for myself mm. and kind of just put the pressure on myself to like go after this goal because it's something that I really want. And I think doing it by 40 will, it, it's kind of like, like Tanahashi, like, I don't know. I find, I find a lot of like inspiration in, in watching Tana, like, like, and right. how everybody's always like so fucking quick to count him out. Oh yeah. The motherfucker's still so badass, and he goes and proves it every single time. And yeah. uh, there's really nobody like him. And, and like literally every year it's the same story. Like, ah, oh, Tana, he's done. Look at his knees. Look at his shot. Look at that. Look at that. He got an injury. It's like, Dude, he's fucking killing it. You yeah. Know? So like, so I, I I would like to be that, or not like you know like at least like find my little uh, story you know within that and, and and kind of use that as some kind of inspiration. I feel like so I've, I've I've kind of put the pressure on myself like I'll do it before forty. Like I don't know what the stakes are because like I don't want to say like oh I'm gonna retire at forty, but like maybe it's something I should think about to like really fucking put the pressure on, or at least it's something that I should have a, a real serious conversation about because like. It's fun to do it, but like, if you still can't do it in certain ways, like it's hard for me to find the motivation after like wrestling for so long. You know, right. it, it really is. So like, if I'm not gonna do it at a top level, then maybe I shouldn't be doing it. You know, you, you got to talk to that IWGB committee. Let them know your intentions. I know. I know. I'm gonna I'm gonna send the email on Monday once we get back from <laughs> Texas. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Along with that, you know, any you know, I know you want to get back into you know, tip top shape, but any possible chance of seeing you in best of super juniors at the end of the year. I know it'll probably be a limited feel and you'll have a lot of responsibility here on strong, but any chance of hopping over to Japan real quick for that tour? Yeah. So, I mean, I got last year's got canceled, then it got pushed back and then I wasn't able to make that one. Uh, so, I mean, this year it's kind of up in the air. It seems like I, you know, I don't know when this 
this uh, two quarantine thing is going to be lifted. So, I mean, mm-hmm. that's, that has a, a lot to do with it. I'm obviously going to be in, uh, in San Jose and Riverside. So that wouldn't really give me the time that I would need to, to get back. So, mm. that, you know, so most likely this year, I'm probably not going to be in it, but, um, but I, I'm looking f- for next year and like, maybe, maybe that's the right timing. Maybe that's the right path for me to be 39, get my ass in shape, go and do it right. And then, you know, go and do a super junior and maybe earn that motherfucker, you know, instead yeah. of like showing up and being like, Hey, whoever's the champion, uh, <laughs> I was popular a long time ago. Give me a opportunity, you know. Yeah, get ripped, kick ELP's ass again, and yes, get a shot. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and hopefully, you know, um, the crowds will be back uh, to 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 you know cheering and stuff by that time too. So it might be just good timing. We'll see. Yeah. So Rocky, earlier in your career, you did hold that title uh, when you were under the mask as Black Tiger. Um, this past year, we've kind of noticed, you know, all throughout the strong tapings, you bringing the black tiger mask out, you know, with you. Um, and I, I think you might've done that a few times in the past, but I don't recall you always doing that the way you are now. What's kind of the significance of that for you right now? Um, motivation, motivation, like, like I said, like this year, um, it was hard for me to motivate, like, especially once things started getting canceling and then, you know, thank God we had, you know, uh, a year ago we had strong, I should say really it started last year. So, and then like, there's been trickles of it, you know, and, and uh, for me, but like, I don't know, I just kind of find myself in like a, in a personal kind of slump of like, where, like, where's like my long-term, I mean, cause like, I feel like obviously there's so many younger wrestlers and like guys who need the time, this time to kind of like blow up and prosper, you know, but like, uh, I, I, I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm still the guy that everybody forgot about, and especially like without having the super junior, like I had the 2019 super junior and like, I start to feel like once again, like the bug of like, Oh shit, this is like what I really want to be. Like, this is why I got into, you know, into wrestling, like for this kind of feeling and new Japan and, and really um, getting to perform on a high level, you know, wrestling Osprey, you know, having a dope match with him wrestling ELP and main eventing. I mean, like, so I started to get the bug again and then, pandemic happened and then it just kind of like killed Mm. all my motivation you know so i feel like um i wanted to bring that as like a reminder literally as the reminder like in the corner like there's my court there's my corner man you know like (laughs) straight up my corner man you're like the alter ego so like so so because a lot of people don't know like you guys obviously know because you guys have studied the game and studied so much you know so many you know all the old stuff but like a lot of people still don't know how important black tiger was in you know, Oh five, Oh six. And like, what a run that was. And like, uh, and how, you know, even tiger mask was completely on his game at that time. So, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of <laughs> like the forgotten, it's kind of like the, one of the forgotten errors in, uh, in new Japan was that Oh five, Oh six era, you know, right before yeah. it started to blow up again. So, um, so yeah, I mean, like I was popular when shit wasn't really popular. So. <laughs> 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 or I, at least whatever I, I had some some cool moments where it wasn't really popular so i, I feel like um now that we have uh you know we've grown so much in popularity like i would love to get like those that feeling of like it's all on you you know what i'm saying like like it's nice to do right. it in a tag team but it, it's so much more challenging uh when it's just on you and like you know the other guy you're you're in the ring with you know like it's just so much more challenging so much more fulfilling so um I don't know. I just want to feel that again, I guess. Yeah, definitely. 
So we we have the the strong taping, the first taping with fans debuting this past weekend on NJPW World, and a lot of big things happening in the world of New Japan for Strong. Um, we've seen a lot of talent come through the you know the quote unquote forbidden door. Uh, how much of an impact do you have on guys coming in? Is there anybody that you currently have your eyes on that you want to bring in on Strong? Um, yeah, I mean that yeah, quite a bit of talent. Uh, I've kind of personally scouted, uh, like obviously like Wheeler Yuta and um, who else? I mean, Alex Zane, uh, not, maybe not so much Zane. Actually, Zane was in the conversation, I think, before. I think Osprey had brought him up. Um, Alexander James, Russ Taylor. Um, a lot of the guys that got scooped up. <laughs> <laughs> hey, they're, they're free now. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but I think that's that's the good thing about Strong, too, is like, um, you know, I'm glad that people are getting opportunities because of what Strong is bringing to the table and giving them, you know, the platform that they have and, and just maybe giving them the validity of like, hey, these guys can, perf- you know, are, are good performers. They wrestle like with New Japan, which is obviously known for being, you know, top, top level. So um, I don't know. It, 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 that makes me happy personally, you know, because I know how hard it is and I, I know like, you know, for a guy like Russ Taylor, who's been going at it for so many years, you know, I've known him for, I don't know, maybe 15 years, 20 years, I don't know. But like, um, you know, him getting the opportunity finally and signing, you know, pen to paper and putting a contract in his hand it was, was pretty dope. If, if Strong had anything to do with that, then I'm fucking over the moon, ecstatic, you know? Yeah, I remember the first time we saw him and I'd never heard of him. And I said to Jeremy, I was like, Dude, this guy's been wrestling a long time. Like, how how has nobody ever heard of him? He's incredible. Yeah, right, <laughs> right, right. I mean, and and that's kind of just like maybe due to like living on the West Coast, you don't you don't really get a lot as many opportunities as like you would like besides PWG maybe or something like that. So like New Japan being mostly on the West Coast now is, is being able to give that kind of SoCal or NorCal or whatever Washington kind of area, like uh, a better platform than they would normally get, you know, uh, if you're not, you know, otherwise if you're on the East coast, you can usually make a splash. Right. But yeah, either way. So like, like it's cool to, it's just cool to have uh strong be that um, people that I'm, I'm looking for. Um, I've been like looking, I, I liked, I just went to the GCW show uh, not too long ago in LA where uh, it was Suzuki against Gresham. So like I'm I'm interested in what GCW is doing. I think they're they, they've got a really you know they've got their finger on the pulse. So I feel like uh, probably people who who are involved with that. There's probably a lot of you know, really good young high flyers and uh, you know even somebody like Tony Deppin. I could see being mm. a part of Strong and doing really well. Um, I mean the cool thing about Strong is really like the battleground for all these companies. I mean, like there's sure. really nobody's been off limits except for if, you know, if you're from NXT or WWE, uh, you know, AEW talent, impact talent, ROH talent, like maybe they're not all on, uh, you know, terms like daily, you know, but somehow we're able to get the pass because we're new Japan somehow <laughs> that we're able to have all, all these, all these companies kind of come together on strong, which is, kind of unique and kind of dope and 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 when you think about it like of course there's all those forbidden door talk but like i feel like new japan strong is kind of really maybe part of that you know yeah, like I, I think strong is the, the real forbidden is, door 
Yeah, that's the like, politics has kind of been like, oh, it's okay. That's like how like Maple Leaf Gardens was in the '80s, or like Hawaii. Like all all the guys from all the other territories were allowed to work there for some reason. Nobody knows why. Really, really. <laughs> yeah, we're the, we're the new Maple Leaf Gardens, baby. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, last thing here, um, you know, with Strong, we kind of talked about the fact that it's sort of become you know taken on a life of its own and grown exponentially, you know, over the past year. Um, any future goals for strong, you know, as far as like live touring TV deals, distribution, stuff like that, you know, what, what does the future hold for new Japan strong? What's the aim for it? No, I think the, the number one goal would be to secure some kind of free television or, or cable television, obviously. Um, or maybe some kind of streaming deal where, you know, maybe, you know, somewhere where it's like easy accessible, and on a platform where like it could get definitely get more eyes. I mean, obviously like there's, you know, we, you know, our main show, uh, you know, world pro wrestling, you know, like whatever that was like what at AXS was before. I mean, obviously that show mm-hmm. is probably going to be always a little bit uh, more sought over because it's got the bigger talent and the big arenas and the big crowds, you know, but um, I think that strong has a good opportunity to be, maybe be on a smaller platform, you know, like, Maybe it's an ESPN three or something like that, or two, or you know, whatever, like uh, Fox Sports West, you know, or you know, I don't know, something where maybe even regional would be a would be a a, a big plus. Um, so I, I don't know, I, I wouldn't count that out. I think that that's probably the goal. And then obviously, I think um, establishing a good fan base on the West Coast uh, in LA would be smart, just because most of us live here and it's easy and it makes the, you know, strong tapings way more affordable when we're in the West coast and then going on tour, maybe like every other month to like, you know, wherever New York, Philly, you know, East coast, Tampa was, was great to us. You know, our St. Pete area was awesome to us. So like, um, yeah, just want to travel. And and, and I think just a lot of people still don't know what strong is like most mm. casual fans. So I feel like it's going to take touring. It's going to take uh, obviously another platform to be on besides New Japan World and Fight. And, um, but I think we'll get there and I think it's just all good timing, you know? Yeah, but I definitely think it's starting to get some more buzz now. You have fans back for these tapings. I mean, this past weekend we had Ishii on there. You had Tanahashi. So you're seeing right. a, lot, a lot of the big stars this coming up weekend. we got uh, Yuji Nagata is going to be on the show. Jay White against Wheeler, Utah. I've got Narita against Fred Roster. So we're seeing a lot of the, the bigger you know, a mix of the quote unquote main roster New Japan guys. We're getting the LA Dojo Young Lions. We're getting the kind of indie Forbidden Door guys like Wheeler Utah. So it's starting to get some buzz and some good mix. So I think a lot of great things are going to be happening in the future for Strong. Did you notice NXT bringing in all these like young kind of green shooters this past week? It's like no. Strong's, be- Strong's <laughs> been doing. Yeah. I was like, Strong's been doing that for like six, seven months now, bringing like every <laughs> single like badass shooter. Like, right, right, right. Well, I mean, for the you know when when we didn't have a crowd, I mean, there's there's, I feel like the best way you can you know do wrestling is like guys who were probably better on the mat and like kind of at that kind of technical level is is a way better story than because you can't do comedy, you can't do like haha. It's got to be like super serious. You can't do. Um, you know, like even high flying stuff is not the same without a crowd, you know? So like, right. uh, it's kind of, you know, we had to depend and lean on, um, you know, th- those kind of, uh, wrestlers and characters, uh, for strong to, to kind of really get through it. But I mean, they're also 
extremely talented and, and really right. dope to tell stories without doing it, you know, as much of the craziness, you know, and the flashy stuff. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's good to know that maybe we're ahead of the curve on some things. I mean, I, I wish we had the audience of the NXT so, like, fucking people would, would really take notice. But, uh, I, like I said, I, it's going to be a build uh, and a slow build. Strong wasn't a thing that was supposed to happen, you know, like, like right. it was, it was going to happen, but it was going to be like a five year plan to like make a roster and do all this stuff. And, you know, and, uh, you know, there was, you know, that was one of the good things that happened at the pandemic is there was an opening to do it. And there was no, like, you know, because there was no crowd and there was barely, a, you know, there at that time there was wrestling, but like everybody was doing it with like a, a small crowd or no crowd. So it was like, okay, well, here's the opening for us to, to make this happen and kind of do it, you know, um, and, and make this roster and, and use our resources. And if we did it, so here we are. And I don't know, I'm excited for it. I, like, like I, I love the brand and, and I, I'm, I'm glad that people think it's the best hour of wrestling, you know, during, it is fucking wrestling. There's so many hours of wrestling to choose from, you know? Yeah. Um, we're going to let you plug your stuff here in just a minute. But before we do that, since we got you on there, uh, I just want to let you know, last year we did a, a rundown of all the Super Junior Finals. We actually found the tape from the original uh, U.S. Super Junior Finals between yourself and Brian Danielson. That's some shooting oh, stuff right shit. there. And it was The one awesome. from the L.A. Dojo. Yeah, yes. we, found, we found the tape of it, and it was really cool. Oh, that was a sick match, I remember. I yeah, think y- I, y- I y'all were hitting the shit out of each other. You guys were <laughs> live rounds, very snug. <laughs> That's like probably 04, right? Like, yeah, I think it's 03, 04, something 03, like that. Yeah, yeah somewhere in there. Wow. How the hell did you guys get that? We found it. Bro, That's a so lot sick. of digging, man. Like, during the pandemic, you know, there was no New Japan, so we're like, what are we going to talk about every week? So we had like a whole like best of Super Juniors. We, we watched every final from the beginning to modern oh, day. And oh, I got to go check that out. I got to check that out to hear it. I would love to like hear it back because I haven't seen it in probably maybe ever or we'll we'll send it to you. Nothing. There's a it's a it's a fan cam, so it's not even like official right, right. anything like that. Yeah, fuck, I would love to see that. I'm, I'm definitely want to listen to the episode to see it, hear you guys talk about that. That's pretty sick. Definitely, yeah. Um, we'll send you the links for both of the video and the, the audio that we did. Yeah, Danielson was always a good opponent for me because at, at that time we were always watching like UWF stuff or like ring stuff. And like he would have a tape and I would go and find like some kind of t- tape or DVD and be like, oh, check this out. Like, and so like we would compare shit. And then when we would wrestle, we would call things to do. You know, we would make matches and then we would just go out there and beat the shit out of each other. And like every once in a while, some kind of thing that we talked about would fall in our laps and then we just do it. So like there's like um there's a couple of good Ring of Honor ones that we had. Um I think when he was champ, maybe one or two or around the time. Man, that that best of super junior one was dope. Um yeah. When I, when you guys had uh, when we watched that match, I literally told Jeremy, I was like, these guys were like watching like battle arts or like yeah <laughs> UWFI exactly. or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. one hundred percent. That's like Rings. I mean, Tamora was like the god, you know. Oh, uh, like, I fucking like love Tamora. Tamora, Volkan, those guys are so sick. So and uh, and the psychology is so sick. Like it's so simple and smart. Well, the way they you sell. guys don't even look like you're working. Honestly, you look like you're rolling. Like literally, yeah. The way you you would roll at right. like a jujitsu, you know, school basically. Yeah. Like I said, that's all we were doing anyway for like the two years <laughs> that we were there, you know, whatever. Like we were just literally getting our ass kicked by fucking jujitsu, master jujitsu artists. So 
and Inoki whenever he'd come in and stretch the fuck out of him. <laughs> <laughs> with his fucking chin his chin manipulation. <laughs> he'd like dig it. He'd like whatever hold you're in, he'd find a way to get his chin in there. Get it right in the like, joint. Ah! <laughs> yeah. They're like driving, like, what is he doing to me? Why does this hurt? My girlfriend, she's like, that's the chin man. That's the guy you like, right? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, yeah. That is the, that's the guy. Yeah. Well, Rocky, uh, thank you so much for coming on and helping us celebrate the uh, 200th episode of Keeping It Strong Style. Love for you to plug some upcoming stuff. So by the time listeners hear this, the Texas tapings would have already happened. But, you know, plug Philly, um, Battle in the Valley, all that stuff coming up and any music stuff too. Yeah, any projects you got going, anything. Yeah, new, well, number one project, New Japan Strong. Uh, we're going to be in Philadelphia October 16th and 17th, I believe it is. Yes. And um, there's some big matches already announced. Suzuki against Dickinson, which is the first night. Uh, Osprey versus Alex Zane, which is the second night. And I'm sure by the time you've heard this, there's probably been a, a ton of other matches that have uh, been announced. So it's, it's going to be sick, so definitely check it out. Um, we're at the 2300 Arena right there in Philly, the old ECW arena. So definitely it's going to be, it's going to be awesome. So, um, and then after that, we are November 13th. We've got a live pay-per-view show from San Jose battle in the Valley, November 13th. Some big stars will be added to that. So definitely check it out. And um, then finally our next new Japan strong taping in Riverside, California, November 15th, not going to want to miss it. A lot of big stuff going to happen for that one, so so definitely check it out. And then we should be making some new announcements for tour dates uh, in December, January, and February, probably pretty soon, yeah, within the next few weeks or so. So definitely follow NJPW1972.com for more info or the Twitter. My personal Twitter handle, I retweet everything, so if you if you don't feel like what, you know following New Japan, you can just follow me, and I'll, I usually just retweet it and give you all the info. I'm at Azuka Rock, A-Z-U-C-A-R-R-O-C on Twitter and Instagram. Give me a follow. Give me a hey. And of course, I got a podcast with two other idiots, Machine Gun Carl Anderson and Luke Doc Gallows. Uh, they're my best friends. Don't tell anybody. They're also part of the Bullet Club, I heard. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> don't tell Okada. And um, yeah, so we, we're every Sunday, we drop a, a brand new podcast. It's just like stories from the road or stories of old stories of shit that we've done dumb shit we've done times we drink we and we talk shit and it's, it's just a lot of fun it's like 30 minutes of, it's one of the easiest podcasts to listen to in in all the land so uh and don't forget to check out new japan strong every saturday night now no more fridays every saturday night on fight tv and njpwworld.com hey guys this is dan coffin aka occasional guest host of the 8-bit suplex aka the ghoul aka the old on top Congratulations, Jeremy and Josh, on making it to 200 episodes. Your passion for not only New Japan, but all wrestling is infectious and comes through on every episode. If it wasn't for you guys, I probably never would have discovered one of my favorite wrestlers of all time, the Dragon Shingo Takagi. I feel very lucky that I get to call two of my favorite podcast hosts good friends as well. Keep up the good work, and I look forward to congratulating you on 500 episodes someday in the future. And one more thing, when you get a chance, can you finally get me that definitive list of all the recommended matches? That way I can finally do my research. This comes from Reddit user Grunty Dodds. My favorite Keeping a Strong Style moment was when you were rating the NJPW roster on the heart scale during the pandemic shutdown. When describing Doki, Josh said, 
He looks like a goon from the Streets of Rage who gets taken out with just three-punch combo. I still laugh at that super specific shade. Thanks for answering my dumb questions over the years. Hey, Jeremy and the young boy Josh. Greetings from the Midwest. Congratulations on 200 episodes. That is a great achievement and looking forward to many, many more. I found the podcast early lockdown and have been listening ever since. So love it. Look forward to it every week. I really appreciate your guys' analysis and breaking down the booking and the kind of in-ring storytelling, the details, which has really improved my experience watching New Japan. So thank you for that. Uh, my favorite, My favorite thing about the show really is when you guys are talking about Doki and that official keeping it strong style opinion that Doki is raw, which I agree. And I'll always get a big pop uh, when Jeremy says uh, Doki's not going back to Mexico. Always a big pop. I appreciate you guys. I appreciate what what you're doing. And congratulations again on 200 episodes. Hope to run into you boys at a New Japan show somewhere in the States sometime in the future. Keep up the great work. Keeping it strong style. Ichiban. Hey, Jeremy. Young boy. It's longtime listener, question poser, and Discord dad, MJ Does PR. Wishing you congratulations on 200 episodes of Keeping It Strong Style. Thanks so much for everything you do and all the work and effort you put into this show and the community that supports it. We're riding with you from the Wrestle Kingdom episodes to the World Tag Leagues. Cheers on the first 200, and here's the 200 more. Keeping It Strong Style. Ichiban. Hey, Jeremy and Josh, Sam from Wrestling Headlines here. Congratulations on 200 episodes. Absolutely massive achievement and a massive amount of dedication and work from you guys putting out the Ace of Podcasts, the best New Japan podcast out there. Thank you from me for being a really important part of my fandom of New Japan. I would not have been able to discover it and explore it and enjoy it the way I have without you guys. As far as fun memories i think i would have to say going back and forth with promos with the young boy back at the uh, back during the ricky and clive quiz time invitational um dueling promos with him would have to be up there probably you guys wiping the floor with us every time we did a wrestling me and him did a wrestling headlines um wrestle kingdom preview (laughs) predictions column uh that would also be up there uh but a big congratulations to both of you uh, and thank you so much for all the work you've put in over the years with Keeping It Strong Style. Congratulations on 200 episodes, fellas. I'm so happy to see everything that you have achieved throughout your journey. I'll never forget our unofficial meeting at New Japan Matsuri when Jeremy and I were both interviewed by Jushin Thunder Liger for an Asahi TV spot about the G1 Supercard at Madison Square Garden, only to then officially meet one another in Dallas at the G1 Climax uh, press conference. Also, you know, I love Josh's reactions to me hugging Tanahashi because they're well-documented from the New Beginning show in Tampa prior to the global pandemic. I never thought in a million years that I could eventually be a repeat guest, and we would wind up having one hell of a brunch reunion at Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles right before a resurgence at the LA Torch. Here's to many more episodes, making towns around the world, and a continued friendship for which I am exceptionally grateful. Love to you both. Karen. 
Hey guys, this is Rambo and Slam Pig. Uh, just wanted to say that I love the show. It's a day one listen every single week for me. Your guys' knowledge, enthusiasm, and passion for New Japan Pro Wrestling has really enhanced my understanding of the product, my enjoyment of the product. Uh, I really, it gives me a lot of joy to listen to you guys and to watch the shows uh, after having heard your opinions. My favorite shows are your tournament previews. Uh, it really adds a lot to it. I do a pick'em contest for some of my friends, and uh, I get a leg up by listening to your take on it thank you for that uh also you were dragging evil before it was cool and i appreciate that you're trendsetters i hope to listen to another 200 episodes thank you so much Ichiban. hey guys this is danny from njpwext i want to congratulate you on your 200th episode and to thank you for sharing your passion for new japan pro wrestling with everyone it's been a blast to watch the show grow uh, from the first interview you landed with rocky romero to receiving your first press credentials I remember reaching out to Jeremy about collaborating and coming away from that first meeting with a really good feeling. Uh, and my experiences with Jeremy and Josh have always been positive. Uh, also, thank you for having me as a guest on the show this week. It was a pleasure hanging out and talking with you. And I was happy to contribute in whatever small way I could. I wish you nothing but continued success on the next 200 episodes and beyond. Take care. What's up, y'all? This is your boy, Rich, uh, many-time guest of Keeping It Strong Style, the voice you hear on the beginning of this great show. Um, for me, unquestionably, this is the best podcast covering New Japan Pro Wrestling. Uh, pretty much from its inception, these guys decided to um, not run from topics. They decided to uh, tell the truth a lot of times when you know people didn't want to hear the truth, like they're not you know, saying this stuff to make you feel good. They're telling you what it is um, and really capturing the culture around New Japan from as early as like the, the U.S. expansion, the era of like Kenny Omega to um, everything that's happened since. And, you know, that, you know, from Wrestle Kingdom 19 onward and then, you know, giving it to you in real time, like, you know, how, the, you know, the, the journeys of each wrestler are going like, uh, looking at Naito and, you know, Josh being able to predict Wrestle Kingdom main events and which way they would go. And Jeremy's just thorough analysis on every show. And uh, I don't think you guys know the amount of dedication that it takes to not just cover the big events, right, but cover the small events. So tell us about these Road 2 shows and these Young Lions and everyone that, um, you know, people that, you know, I it's, it's hard to say, like, um you know, anyone's the best at anything, but when you're talking about the best, the best, and I mean that like Santana and Ortiz, it's unquestionably keeping the strong style. This is your boy, Rich. Um, congratulations on 200 episodes. Hope to hear 200 more. Hope Gato gives you guys more to work with uh, going forward. Um, and, you know, one day I'll uh, return to the show. <laughs> anyway, this is Rich. I'm up out of here, man. Peace. And we're back, and man, it was so good uh, interviewing Rocky and listening to those shout-outs. And uh, real quick, I just want to, you know, give some thank yous. I just want to, you know, say thank you to everyone who's ever downloaded and listened to our show. Thank you to everyone who has shared, retweeted, and upvoted the show. Thank you to everyone who has donated and bought a shirt. Thank you to everyone who has entered any of our contests. Thank you to anyone who's ever submitted a question and left a comment rating or review and thank you to everyone who's been a guest on the show 
over the years. Thank you guys for helping us get to episode 200 of Keeping It Strong Style. Yeah, um, I'd just like to echo those sentiments. Jeremy was pretty exhaustive in his uh, <laughs> his thanking of everybody that's kind of contributed or had any part to play in what we've done. But, uh, you know, 200 episodes is a lot. Um, this thing's been going for a long time. And, uh, you know, we're just uh, from the bottom of our hearts, very grateful that you guys listen, that you guys contribute. And if you haven't, feel free to leave us a rating or review or to, uh, you know, drop a comment or, you know, buy a shirt, whatever, you know, whatever you'd like to do to kind of help get the word out about keeping a strong style so we can uh, sort of expand what we're doing here. Yeah. We did have a couple questions. Um, first from Grunty Dodds, he asked, what was your favorite match since starting the podcast? Hmm. That's an interesting question because, I mean, we get asked a lot of times what we think the best match is, and I think we pretty much are the same on that. But, I mean, you know, I think for me, um, and it changes. You could ask me on a different, you know, day of the week, you know, and I'll, I'll give you different answers. But I think for me, my favorite match since we started this podcast has got to be Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Kota Ibushi, the G1 Finals. Um that match, like, literally, I don't know. Like, it, I get emotional watching that match when I see, like, that that moment where, like, Tanahashi is, like, firing up and, like, walking through, like, Murder Ibu's, like, you know, slaps. Like, that gives me life and energy. Like, it's one of my favorite wrestling moments of all time. So that'd probably be my answer. Yeah, and that was fun. You know, we, we watched that at the, the old dojo, me, you, and Rich. That was a, a great day. I'll never forget watching that together. Um yeah, you know, you throw in favorite versus best, and also I, I think of best, I think of, you know, the, the two out of three falls of Omega and Okada, but one of my favorites, though, is the best of Super Junior Finals with Shingo and Will Ospreay. Uh, mm. I, I watched that match uh, when I was on my uh, vacation uh, in Alaska on the cruise, and I was just losing my mind at how epic that match was and it's a fact that like you know Shingo had this like mauled everybody in the junior division and I was like oh he's you know probably it's gonna be a good match but he's gonna beat Osprey and the fact that Osprey beat him and just how epic that that final was like that is definitely one of my favorite matches essentially been doing this thing well I don't leave Karen out Karen from about 2018 to now do you have just a not the best match but just a personal favorite from New Japan over that period of time I'll pick one that's not a show match <laughs> uh, I'm gonna go with the best of the Super Juniors final last year, uh, Desperado versus Hiromu. Mm, wow, nice. Yeah, that was another uh, great final. That was it. Was a lot to unpack. I'm wondering how that's gonna do come award season because, like, it has all the recipes of being like a, a junior match of the year candidate, but it happened literally a year ago and i'm wondering if it's gonna be like lost in the shuffle or not you know it's like it's in that like limbo tail end of the year where it's like well it was on like very end of december but still before the last dome so that's why that's why i'm not a fan of these super juniors going on we'll talk about that more but i'm not a big fan of that yeah oh i've got feelings about (laughs) super juniors being just like thrust at the end stapled at the end of the year right before wrestle kingdom yeah uh, we also had a question here from Discord from MJ Does PR. He says, what have you guys learned and would share with others about pursuing passion projects? And what is the most surprising part about the past couple of years? Hmm. That's a pretty, that's a great question. Um, I think the, 
Well, what do you think is the most surprising thing for you? For you? Uh, you know, I think it is. It's the amount of time we're able to continuously talk about New Japan without like it getting like boring <laughs> or, you know, because uh, when we first started, we didn't anticipate it being like that. We thought it was going to be like a quick, easy 45 minute, one hour, like sort of podcast and kind of morphed into this like three hour monster. Um, and the weird thing is as it got longer, we got more listeners and downloads when it got shorter we had less interaction. So it's kind of weird in that way. Right. We have um, people complain like, Oh, why wasn't it three hours this week? I'm like, buddy, we're, we're talking about road to like calm down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, the, the thing that I would say uh, that we found out that I think it's important for you to kind of know is like, as much as you may or may not like a particular, like let's say if you're going to do a podcast, for instance, you better really freaking like that podcast. Cause if you're going to do it the way we do it, where it's, you know, week in and week out, you have to be passionate about it. Cause I mean, it's not like we're rolling in the bucks here. You know, it's not like we have a lot of support from, you know, all these different outside, you know, it's just, it's me and Jeremy doing this, you know? So, uh, you better really, really, really be passionate about it. You better really enjoy it. And, you know, even if you do enjoy it and are passionate about it, you kind of have to realize that it's going to be a lot more dedication than maybe most people. I mean, that, there's a reason why in the last like four or five years, you've seen so many New Japan podcasts pop up and then go away. And it's because it's not easy, man. <laughs> yeah, I would say as far as the most surprising part is just just how like you, you see the numbers of people who listen in, but then when you meet the faces behind those numbers and mm-hmm. we've, we've met a ton of listeners over the last four years at new Japan events, WrestleMania weekend. And so just meeting people and being stopped at the, in the middle of a show in the middle of the street, like, are you guys, you know, Jeremy Jackson keeping a strong style? Like to me, that's the most surprising part. The fact that like I see the numbers, but yeah, people are actually listening. People are actually fans and people actually like, look up to us or like like our theos as their new japan guides we, we've had people like that we've also had people where we just like interact with them they're in the new japan community and then we're like oh yeah we do a podcast like who are you guys we're like, keeping a strong side oh yeah i know you guys and like that's a weird thing too they like see us on like the what is it called like reddit and stuff so yeah yeah that's always weird <laughs> Uh, but something I would share to people who want to pursue passion projects, kind of like you were saying, Josh, like, yeah, you you really got to be passionate about it. I would say consistency is the key. We've been here 200 episodes, 200 weeks. We have not missed a week yet. This show has been all on the airwaves the last four years, every week, whether it was Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, you got to be consistent. You got to put, put in the work. birthdays, deaths, divorces. You know sicknesses you know breakups all sorts of crazy stuff you know yeah so you, you gotta love it you, you gotta be committed and uh just you know just go for it i mean you know like four years ago we were like heck let's just start a new japan podcast because we were so pissed off of WWE and what was going on there it's like let's, let's do it <laughs> <laughs> and that seems so funny now compared to like you know, not not to turn this podcast into that, but like I would take whatever we were getting from WWE back then in a heartbeat over what they're putting out now. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh man, uh, Karen, do you have any advice to people who for uh, going after passion projects? Uh, imposter syndrome is not something you, that everybody is willing to admit that they struggle with. It's very easy to see someone doing well and doubting yourself. Mm. And doing the soul searching that necessary to 
be able to be to put yourself out there. Like we talked about earlier with me joining post, I was just, you know, having an offhanded conversation and the idea was thrown at me and I was like, um, uh, oh, oh, me, like you want my opinion. And the response I got afterwards is like, this is amazing. You did so well, give us more. And I'm like, really? People care about what I, what I have to say. Cause you know, as a female fan in wrestling, often many, my dog's getting all fired up on it. Uh, <laughs> often there are people that, unless I've written an 18 page thesis on a match from 40 years ago, I'm not a real wrestling fan. That's so it's true. trying, it's trying to <laughs> don't, don't make me get in my car and drive down there, sir. It's only an hour away. <laughs> it, it, it's always, it's, you know, it's very, it, fi- finally getting some sense of validation. Right. It takes a while. And like for me, I've been a wrestling fan for nearly over 20 years now. Like I watched the the Monday Night Wars unfold in real time. And that was a different time to be a female fan. Mm. It's much different now, but there's still as someone who went through that particular era, there's still like all this year later lingering feelings where it's just like am I enough to be a part to have a seat at the table? So um. it's I mean, I'll speak to that for a second, and I don't usually do stuff like this, but I'm, you know, Karen, most of that's bullcrap. Um, and here's why: like, let's say even if you were talking on a subject that you maybe weren't an expert on, you have enough like wisdom and common sense to like speak graciously on a subject. You know what I mean? You, you don't come out as like a, you know. Um, well, actually, type of person, you know what I mean? So I can't stand the well, actually. <laughs> don't so, don't I mean, the reply, guys. Uh, uh-uh, uh, get out of here. So I mean, I don't know. Like the idea that you have to qualify, you know, your opinion on something like that—that's that's ridiculous. Like anybody that's ever heard you like talk. I mean, there's a reason that you're on this podcast. Well, uh, thank you. Know, you. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, it's it's a struggle. And I don't. And the thing is, like, I don't even say stuff like that unless it's like for real. Like, if I <laughs> didn't think that, I just would. I just be like, okay, let's move well, on. I Thank you. I will, I'll put that in my my mindset. That, like, Joshua and I are we're good. He, he supports me. Uh, then, last thing here before we get into G one, a uh, question from Stale Burger Bun. He says, "Do you think Evil will be a beloved world champion by your three hundredth episode? Congrats, congrats on two hundred episodes, guys." Did we think who would be evil? Will he be a beloved world champion by our 300th episode? No, no. <laughs> like, listen, okay. So, um, if you listened to the, uh, to the thank yous, one of the, um, who was it? Was it MJ does PR? Uh, I forget who it was. No, it was, I think it was our Rambo and slam pig. Okay. Yeah. They, they brought up the very fact that, I've been on the anti-evil hate train since day one, since like before there was even really a real reason to even dislike him. You know what I mean? Um, Just when I thought he was like the party makeup, like, you know, the dude from like party city with like the big, like plastic scythe and you know, the, the fingers and, 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 you know, and he was having pretty good matches back then and I didn't like him. So I, I don't think with this gimmick they've given him and whatever, whatever's going to ensue in the next two years with house of torture no, I, I don't think he's going to turn it around, honestly. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Even if he starts having good matches, I don't think he'll be beloved by the audience. Maybe I'm wrong. You know, let's let's timestamp this and, you know, come back 100 episodes and we'll see. But I, I bet you I'm right. Yeah, I'm, I'm just hoping he's not around by the time we get to episode 300. <laughs> 
That's a terrible thing to say, Jeremy. You <laughs> crossed the line. We'll, we'll, we'll reframe it as this. By episode 300, perhaps Takaaki Watanabe has, has become a beloved figure and champion. We'll see. I'll put it this way. Hopefully, by episode 300, Watanabe has assumed his rightful position in the lower mid card. <laughs> And I'll, put, I'll put it this way. Hopefully, by episode 300, Watanabe <laughs> has gone to New York and, and, and <laughs> doing some, uh, you know, cinematic matches with Alexa Bliss. No, 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 no. <laughs> no. See, Jeremy, away like, from the you're, Fed. No. You're, going too, you're going too ham on this. <laughs> You've gone too far, sir. Oh, man. All right, guys. All right. So let's, uh, let's talk about G1 Climax 31. We got three nights to run through here. We have uh, two A block nights, one B block night. So let's start with. What a the, G1 it has been. Yeah, it's it's been a pretty good G1. Um, obviously, you know, it's not you're the greatest G1 ever. We're not getting, you know, multiple four star matches and above on a show, but. We're getting a lot of really good, a lot of solid matches. We're still getting some high fours. I mean, obviously, Shingo and Ishii we talked about last week, killing it in the opener. And there's a lot of great matches from these three shows as well that we'll talk about. But overall, I, 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 I just kind of said that because of how little I've actually seen of it. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking with no actual like re- frame of reference. Oh. <laughs> uh, let's get into it. So uh, we had an A block night here, September 23rd from Ota. Shell opened up with a non-tournament match as Tangaloa defeated Yuji Nagata. Also, Naito injured. It was supposed to be Tangaloa versus Naito. Blue Justice coming in to fill in for that spot. Naito forfeiting the matchup. Tangaloa gets an automatic two from that match. And then he has a good little opener here with Yuji Nagata. Karen, did you have any thoughts on this opener? Um. Well, you know, it, it's been hard to watch in the sense that a lot of people were upset that Naito got hurt but you know what Naito's knees have been bombarded time for a couple of years now um I feel like Tangaloa and maybe Okarn to a certain extent they kind of have like debut jitters a bit because they're having to fight on their own in the G1 for the first time mm-hmm. I actually enjoyed his match with Nagata I thought it was a good match. It kind of reminded me of when Fale fought Nagata in the sense that he was fighting someone who, you know, stepped in because they had to. But it was it wasn't a normal bullet club match in the sense that he Tangalo didn't mess around. He took he he and a lot of other people in Bullet Club are actually taking the G1 seriously this year. And yeah. it's showing back both in their in their ring work and in their promos and how they're behaving conducting themselves on social media. Yeah, so yeah. I'm act- I'm, I'm, I've actually enjoyed seeing what they've done so far. Yeah, you got a guy like Yuji Nagata. Obviously, he wasn't even really supposed to be on this tour, and he, you know, he could kind of mail it in. But he's been, you know, going hard in the matches that he's been having as well. Um, so I thought this was a good little match here. I mean, they didn't. I mean, they had 15 minutes opener. Um, you know, I went, I went three stars flat on it. It, it was good. I mean, they didn't do anything to, to blow my socks off, but it, it was a good little opener, a good way to start the show off. Uh, and Josh, I, I'm not sure what you've seen and what you haven't seen, so jump in. On. Vir- virtually none of this. I'm going to kind of play just like color here. But, uh, you know, I love the idea that, like, even though everybody's getting two points for Naito's knees giving out on him, you know, they still have to, like, face a killer like Yuji Nagata. And it's not a night off whatsoever. Like, they, they're getting the W, and that's great. But, like, they're working they got to go. It. 
yeah, they got to go through hell and, you know, still kind of accumulate that damage for the rest of the tournament. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, there, there's, everyone's kind of got a little bit different guys and like Tangaloa is like, crap, I drew like the short straw. I still got to fight blue justice. Like, it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, then the second match of the night was a tournament matchup with the great Okan defeating Toriano 11 minutes and 30 seconds. So let me just say my patience is running thin with Toriano in this tournament. You know, I try not to be one of those guys that come out here and bashes Yano. And yes, I understand the raw Yano's in the tournament. But when you got guys like Chase and Tama and, and Tangaloa, you know, Trying to have really good tournaments, and then you roll out what we have here with with, with Great Ocon and, and Toriano. It's not for me, baby. Not for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those things where it's like I'll, we'll probably get into this when it comes when we come to talk about evil. Is that I can enjoy a good palate cleanser match, you know, something lighthearted and fun, but not for eleven minutes. Like, That's what I was like, going to ask if, if that if was it, the problem. It's it was way too long. Like if you want to do a squash match, fine. You want to have comedy, fine. Keep it short. Don't 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 drag it out that long. Right, and so much of it was built off of the New Japan Cup, where Kray Okan got his hair cut off. He came out with the braid that was cut off and was using that to choke Yano and taunt Yano with it, and um, it, it was just all about that and just the comedy there. And I was like, I just. I guess I'm, I'm over. I'm over the auto matches this year already. Like after the Kenta match, now this match, like both matches, are like two stars flat for me. I'm I'm not having this. If I think. Were, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was gonna say. I think that might also be another part of it. Is like in the past, you know, with G1s, Yano was very infrequent as a singles competitor throughout the year. But ever since KOPW and everything like that, he's been, and especially because of COVID and. You know, the the lack of Gaijin talent, they've really relied on him quite a bit this year, and they've given him a lot of um, ring time. And so that might also have to, you know, play a part in the exhaustion people have with his uh, whole stick right now. Well, and the other thing is that with Yano, again, he's another, like, to bring up the, you know, the foreign talent not being able to come in. Yano is doing what they want him to do. They want him to be the one to fill in the matches and make it interesting and make it entertaining when you're going to have other matches but I feel like especially after that very very long KOPW match we had a couple of weeks ago I'm like just no give the man a break if if they're not going to let him be like super uh, amateur wrestler like genius Yano then don't 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 go 11 minutes please (laughs) the other thing I'll say about it too is like um you know, in the past, I understand why he's there, and I've been an advocate for him being in the G1 myself oftentimes. But, you know, um, he's been in it for so many years at this point that it's almost like a, a just kind of an, an eventuality. It's sort of like a, the shtick is really kind of, you know, kind of played its, you know, it's kind of played out basically. And there, there might be a time to, like, just give it a little bit of a rest. You know what I mean? Especially right. if um, if there's someone else, like, you know, for instance, I don't know. I, I know he probably couldn't have been in the tournament because of, like, travel and stuff. But, like, what if, like, uh, Toa Hanare had been able to been, be in this and, like, get his opportunities? He could have taken just as many pinfall losses as uh, 
you know, as Yano, and he could also get a couple upset wins and balance out the books and it wouldn't be a night off and all that. So I don't know. Like, I think I'm kind of coming around on the idea that like, they don't necessarily need Yano, especially if it's not going to be a serious thing. Yeah. It, it, it feels like a missed opportunity, but if I'm not mistaken, y- not Yano, Hanari's out with a neck injury. Yeah, he's dealing. With oh, it. is it a neck injury? I thought it was. I thought it had to do with travel stuff. Well, I think, it, it, I think it, it was it's both. both. It, yeah. it, New Zealand's on lockdown, so he can't get out. He's stuck there. But I heard that there was an injury involved as well, something from somewhere. So yeah, I think he got hurt that that last tour that he was on. It's a shame because he would have made with with the card that they have right now for the G one. He would have been a perfect addition to it. Yeah, and given somebody else a a, a well needed rest because they're like. We we talk about that Yano matches going on so frequently, but you know he's he's another one who could stand to have a, a vacation of some kind. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's another off. that's another thing too. Is like okay, um, you know, eleven minutes and they're doing that pretty consistently. That's not exactly a night off for anybody, you know. Yeah. Right, they're still out, out maybe, there bumping and running around. <laughs> yeah, maybe they should just shorten the length. I know that they're doing it because, you know, there's no undercard and they want people to get their full money's worth, but uh yeah. I don't know. I don't know if if the fans over on that side are kind of feeling the same way we are, who knows. Yeah. Well, with that win, Ocon goes up to 6 points, undefeated in the block, Yano stays at 4 points. The third match of the night was Kenta defeating Yudro Takahashi 15-48. So Interesting story coming in. We have, you know, Kenta, who's part of, you know, this regular Bullet Club. And then you have Yudro, who's a part of the House of Torture unit within the Bullet Club. So kind of wondering if there was going to be some tension in this matchup. Uh, Opening the match, Kenta asked for a two-sweet from Peter and Yudro. Both of them backed off, and and they had the match. And overall, you know, it it was a pretty clean matchup here. There wasn't a ton of cheating or shenanigans here. It was wrestled pretty straight. Um... Kenta ends up hitting the go to sleep, gets the windfall. Gets actually he hit the, he Udrow slipped out of go to sleep. Sorry, and Kenta eventually gets the uh, the game over in to get a submission victory over Udrow. And then post match they hit the two sweet. So it seems like things are fine for now between Bullet Club and the House of Torture. Is there anybody as disloyal in modern day New Japan as um, Udrow? Like no, this guy. This guy has tuned so many times on so many people. Correct. My thing about this match is like, and going back to when they announced the blocks, it was like when you saw that there were six members of Bullet Club, and remembering how consistently during the G One Bullet Club tends to do one of two things: they want to cut corners and win and do heel things. Or, you know, they occasionally step up and step out. And I think a lot of the pushback from the fans when the participants were announced has led to many of them stepping up, including Yujiro, because, you know, he's another one that people tend to say very negative things about. Not that about him, well, but not about him, like, uh, betraying groups or whatever, but, like, that he's not worthy of the spot he's being given. And... I think Kenta was a good foil for him in this particular match because Kenta helped him, helped push him a little harder than a lot of other people do in matches with Yujiro. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, I think Yujiro's had two good points to start off. I think Abushi, even though Abushi's, you know, they're kind of tell, telling a story and he's not wrestling to 100% right now, that, that Yujiro match was good with Abushi. And then, yeah, Kenta pushing him here. 
I also like that they in- incorporated the finish from the Ibushi match in this one where Yujiro uh, is going for the low blow again and then hopefully to set up the, the big juice like he did on Ibushi, but Kenta was one step ahead, blocked the low blow, turned that into the game over, and uh, got the submission victory there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Yujiro's been looking good. Some good near falls with, you know, Miami shine and the, the pimp juice and, you know, trying for the big juice. He, he's been working really hard here. I, I went three and a quarter on this match, and uh, it was good stuff here. So then we move on to the semi-main event of the evening. We had the Golden Star Kota Ibushi defeating the Stone Pitbull Tomohiro Ishii, 17 minutes and 42 seconds. Um, and, you know, you, you see the names Kota Ibushi and Tomohiro Ishii, and you, you have a, a high standard for those two guys, especially with their, their their resume and their history together. And, you know, I still thought this was a, a great match. I went four and a quarter on it. But when you think Ibushi and Ishii, you're thinking more four and a half, more 4.5, maybe even five. Uh, but that wasn't what happened here. And honestly, I think that's because they are telling a story with Ibushi. I feel like he is not wrestling to 100% on purpose because they're playing up. You know, he's just coming back uh, from pneumonia and he's losing a sweating. You know, he had that he lost that Tanahashi match and he, he's kind of struggling here. You know, he lost to Yudro in the opening of the tournament here. So, you know, Ibushi had to, had to fight harder than normal in this matchup here. Yeah, I, I actually even heard rumors that, you know, some people consider the match to be even lower caliber than what, you know, the rating that you gave it, Jeremy. So that's definitely one that I need to check out. Um, but, yeah, it, based on, you know, everything that we kind of speculate on last week, it does seem that that's the story that they're telling right now. It's just the struggles that, you know, Kotobushi is trying to overcome throughout this tournament. And, um, you know, one has to wonder if that's going to just be a self-contained um, storyline throughout the tournament, you know, and if it's going to lead to some sort of payoff within the tournament or, you know, there's always speculation has been for quite some time, like what's the next big step for Kota Ibushi? He's already won, you know, the G1 several times. He's won in the Tokyo Dome. He's won the big belts. What's next for him, you know, and he's kind of in this one place, you know, as a character. And I'm wondering if this is actually not just a, a tournament story, but something that's going to kind of extend beyond that, you know, and, and maybe call for some sort of, I don't want to say turn, but some other character development, you know? Yeah. The other thing that people need to possibly take into consideration is that aspiration pneumonia, usually for a hundred percent, hundred percent recovery, you still need about another six months afterwards to make sure that there's no lingering effects. So I feel like the story they're telling is also to help ensure that he doesn't overexert himself. Cause you know, he wrestles a style that's very intense and very high paced and does a lot of craziness. So it's one of those things where what's left for Kota Ibushi, I mean, he's done it all. So right. a heel turn in a company that has this many heels. Right. It could be interesting, but they need to start making some faces because they're they're run, they're running out of room. You can only have so many heels be- with like Tana's broken knees with like love and energy holding them together to, to fight them. <laughs> well, like, I will t- I will tell you one thing. He's done everything from like a bucket list standpoint, but the one thing that he's never done in this company, he's never felt like the true flag bearer for new japan pro wrestling he's been kind of positioned that way a little bit but he's never felt like you know the tip top ace type character guy in the company he's always sort of even when he's at the top 
kind of still just like a notch below. So I'm wondering if that's still in the stars for him. Yeah. Um, one thing I was wondering is like, I don't think they're going to do this, but what if, what if they had him go on like a, not just a early slump and he comes back sort of run. What if they like actually have him go on like a true, true, you know, show and yo esque, you know, slump where he like is he just, winless. He just, he just tanks the entire G1. And then he has to go away for some period of time to maybe like recover and then come New back. Japan strong. <laughs> <laughs> Get I, Goto I, training a montage. I just wonder if like, you know, they need something like that's the story. Like he needs to uh, go away for a little bit, maybe recover, maybe come back, you know, with some fresh legs under him later on. You know, I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, you were saying, Josh, yeah, there were some some lower ratings on this, but I still thought it was a very hard-hitting match. There was a ton of strikes, a ton of chops, headbutts in the match, and it just felt like really gritty and scrappy. And like I mentioned, Ibushi just really had to fight so hard to get, to get that Kamigoya and get, it was like a desperation win. Uh, so good stuff here, just not their normal high-level stuff, but oh, I definitely think it's a recommended match to watch from this night. And then that takes us to the main event of the evening the submission master Zack Saber Jr. Big win here defeats the Dragon Shingo Takagi. Twenty-seven minutes and seventeen seconds. Cam, what'd you think about this one? Man, part of me feels like it's going to be Zack Saber's year. Yeah, like straight out the gate, he's just dropping bodies. <laughs> And his promos have just been absolutely amazing. And it would be nice because, you know, when was the last time he had a singles title or like when he won the New Japan Cup? Was that 2018? I know he had that singles match with Sonata at Wrestle Kingdom a few years ago, but like I think people have just gotten so used to him being stapled to Tai Chi with dangerous techers. But this could be a breakout year, like launching point for him. Yeah, I mean, I've always been. Well, actually, I have, that's a lie. I've always been a fan of Saber. I actually, <laughs> I actually used to hate Zack Saber Jr. I have always <laughs> been a fan of Zack Saber Jr. But, but, but once Saber came into New Japan, uh, my my eyes were open, and I and I've been a fan of Saber since that 2018 run um, in the New Japan Cup. And I think he's been doing excellent work. He has one of the best wrestlers in the world. It's a reason why he's been winning. The, the Brian Danielson Technical Wrestler of the Year award for several years in a row now. And he's a guy I do think that they haven't really spotlighted as much as they could in a singles role. Like you mentioned, Kerry, like he had that, that monster run in New Japan Cup where he tapped out all the aces. Um, and then he's kind of been quiet after that. I mean, he's done some Rev Pro tile defenses. Um, I mean, every now and again, he, you know, he wins a big match. He beats a Okada. He beats a Tanahashi. You know, he does stuff like that. But then it's infrequent you know he wins one he takes a step forward and then takes a step back and most of you know the development from him over the past couple years has really been in that tag division not so much as a singles guy um and it kind of felt like the match that they're gearing him up for last year with john moxley maybe felt like a revitalization for his singles career but then covid happened that never occurred you know Right, and then I definitely feel like they, they needed dangerous techers in that tag team division to kind of hold that division up, and him and Taichi have been, you know, kind of the centerpiece of that division the last couple of years now and have really, you know, been kind of the flag bearers there. So he was definitely needed in that role, but he's such a great singles wrestler as well, and he's displayed that 
uh, so far in this tournament with the Naito winning out this match over Shingo. And, you know, I, I love this kind of styles clash when you have Zach, you know, this submission guy, he's trying to tie you up. And then a guy like Shingo, who's a bruiser, and he just he's just trying to, you know, outmuscle you and just pound you. And uh, it's such a great dynamic where, uh, you know, Shingo, he's trying to ground, uh, or Zach's trying to ground Shingo. And every time like, Shingo would get out of a hole, you can just tell that Shingo would be frustrated Anytime Zach had him in a submission, he would just get out and get pissed and just like clobber Zach until he get tied up again. It's just kind of this back and forth of like Zach like trying to hold off Shingo and keep him tied up and Shingo breaking three, breaking through. So, so it's pretty much all the classic Ishii Zach Saber matches that yeah. you know that we've seen and loved. Um, and, and you know that is kind of amazing too because we t- we talked about last week they've only had the one singles match years and years ago in Germany. And it was short. It was like 10 minutes and they've, you know, they've done some tag stuff in new Japan, but that's about it. So um, I did see a lot of clips and highlights, people gifting and people doing, you know, YouTube videos on this and uh, like, it looks incredible. And um, did we predict, did I, I think I predicted Sabre was winning. I I think, yeah, I think you predicted Sabre winning. I I was riding with Chingo. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. (laughs) Uh, but yeah, you know, towards the whole match, you know, Zach is working over obviously the, the pumping bomber arm of Shingo. Uh, you know, if you break the arm, you can't get lariated. So he was trying to work on the arm the whole match, and it's, then it's almost like he was using, um, I think you call it psychology. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Karen's pointing to her head. <laughs> he, he he borrowed the book from uh, Kenny. <laughs> uh, but yeah, towards the end of the match there, uh, Shingo was just really fighting to, you know, get for the, the last of the dragon. Um, and Zach got him in a triangle. And again, Shingo was just trying to muscle out, power out the triangle. But Zach smartly, quickly turned the triangle into an arm bar. It was almost like an MMA finish. And Shingo tapped out quickly. Immediately as, as the arm straightened, Shingo tapped out with only three minutes left. And Saber taps out a second LIJ guy. Gets a big win, four points on the board for Zach Saber. You know the amazing thing with that too is, uh, and this is something that Zach has actually claimed that he was going to do year after year, G one after G one, and he never does it. He always talks about how like it doesn't really matter if he wins the G one, doesn't matter if he goes to the finals. All he needs to do is beat the champion, and if he beats the champion, he's gonna get a title shot. And he says it every single year in his promos and he never does it but this year he fi- <laughs> he finally did it <laughs> i mean zach is working smarter not harder because you know he could theoretically drop all his like the rest of the tournament all losses but he still gets a shot at shingo so and he's first in line so yeah and it's not the same thing as like you know yana roll somebody up doesn't get a title shot. That's one thing. But like when you literally have this guy on the brink of like getting his arm broken, he's tapping out. That's uh, quite the visual, you know? And they can't afford to lose anyone else right now. <laughs> they, can't, they can't have the champion surrender the belt again in the same year. Yeah. They he, I will, I, he needs I w- his arm. I will say though, Ishii never did get his title shot against Okada for beating him in 2016. Ishii's owed. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, Zach picked up the big win here, and obviously there there is signs that this could be a future title match. He he held the belt up after the match. Uh, you know, Shingo was you know helped out of the match, and he left the belt in the ring. Saber grabbed the belt, held it up, did the the Dan Coffin pose, belt over the head, 
Um, and yeah, you know, we could get a fall tile defense with uh, Zach Saber and Chingo maybe at uh, Power Struggle or whatever happens um, towards the end of the year there, and maybe at the, the the finals of the Super Junior and World Tag League. But I'm all in for a Saber World Title Challenge, and I'm hoping that in the next year or so we could see uh, Saber as the champion. Well, see, and here that's the other thing too. Um, you know, say what you will about there being quote unquote three nights of Wrestle Kingdom, and I've I've got my opinions and problems with that, but at the end of the day mapping out your typical you know okay there's gonna be a briefcase defense here and then the, this person's gonna do this and then you know that's all out the window we literally have no idea what mapping the rest of the year looks like post g1 so all bets are off i mean could this happen you know at you know king of pro wrestling or whatever it is that they're gonna have after the shirt or maybe it has something to do with those wrestle kingdom nights like we really don't know right yeah, it's going to be interesting to see uh, how that all plays out. So let's move on to September 24th, also in Ota. This was a B-block night. Interesting opener here. We had the ace, Hiroshi Tanahashi, defeating Hiroki Goto in the opener. Tanahashi coming off a loss um, against Okada from the opening B-block night, and Goto coming off a loss from Taichi in the opening B-block night. So both guys desperate to get two points on the board here. No strangers to each other here. And um, good little opener. It went 14 minutes, 10 seconds. Also, these guys did not go super hard. Um, kind of Ace don't need 15 minutes to beat a <laughs> bum like Goto. Come on. It's not 2010. Okay. Uh, sorry, are you saying the G and G1 does not stand for Goto? It never has and it never will. <laughs> That's not true. What He went it in like 08, I think. Something like that, yeah. Around, Something like that. Yeah. I'll look it up. The G and G one currently means good enough during a global pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> that applies to a lot of people. <laughs> Correct. Uh, Karen, what do you think about this opener? It was very straightforward and simple. I mean, I I, I love both her. Uh, I almost called him Hiroshi. I'm not going to call him Hiroshi. <laughs> both Tanahashi and Goto. Um, and I enjoy watching them work. It was, yeah, it wasn't anything particularly to write home about, but you know they do have that history of you know knowing each other for a very, 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 very long time. But I don't know. It just I feel like something needs to happen to chaos soon because they just feel kind of stale to me. Yeah, you may want you may want to listen to the Rocky Romero interview because um, that that's actually something I asked him specifically. <laughs> well. It, the current standing in my mind is that Okada deserves to le- uh, to lose chaos because Shinsuke Nakamura did not leave him in charge to let it become a place where people <laughs> yeah. keep betraying the group almost <laughs> annually. Yeah. Hey, Jeremy. Um, what does that say? Two thousand eight. Next to that. Uh, one. One. No, man. In between the two thousand eight and the one. Uh, Tanahashi, uh, two thousand seven. No, under, oh my Kogi god. What, what are you what are you <laughs> What are you making us look at? How can you guys not read that? Whoa. 2008 Hiroki Goto yeah. climax winner. I was right without even needing I didn't even need this thing in front of me. <laughs> Good job. Thanks. You're doing amazing, sweetie. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Anyways, so that guy uh, Goto, he sucks. Um, <laughs> Tanahashi, three-time winner of the G1, you know. Hold this high fly flow. Go to hell. 
Well, actually, there, there was no. Well, there was a high fly flow attempt, which uh, got to move out the what way. It, what did he beat him with? Uh, Cloverleaf? No, he actually beat him with the inside cradle. Oh, so, I love I love a good inside cradle, you know. Yeah, he, he watched the match then. <laughs> Tanahashi got inspired with uh, Brian Danielson coming back, and we all know Danielson. That's a different move. He uses the small package. It's not the same. Okay, well, small package inside cradle. They're both cradle maneuvers. Uh, but yeah. Oh, next you're going to tell me a schoolboy is the same. Get out of here, Jeremy. Uh, but Goto was going for, he hits the reverse GTR, gets a near fall, then he goes for the regular GTR, and Tanahashi slips that into inside cradle. One, two, three. Goto thought he kicked out before the three. He's trying to fight Tanahashi. Ref has to hold him back. Him, hey, man, you got pinned. And uh, Tanahashi sneaks one and gets two points on the board, and Goto is still at Zero points and winless in the tournament. That's just because he's starting slow, but he's gonna roar back later on. You know which one? Goto. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I changed my mind. <laughs> it's gonna be a Goto Okada finish. <laughs> oh, <man>. <laughs> <laughs> they're gonna be uh, they're gonna be vying for the final you know final spot in the final night. Yep. It's gonna be good. Um, and I went I went three and a half on that matchup. So then the following matchup, we had another Bullet Club battle as Tamatonga, along with Master Hito Jado. They he defeated Chase Owens 12 minutes and 59 seconds. And again, this is one of those matches where you're thinking you're gonna get a lot of shenanigans, or you're gonna get the whole, you know, you lay down, no, you lay down. All right, I'll lay down, then I'll roll you up kind of thing. We didn't get that here. We got both guys, they put their working boots on, and they had a really good match here. One of the things I liked about this, like going back to the Kenta match as well, was that when Tama uh, talked about, I think it was in one of the backstage promos, is that he admitted that when he was in the G1 the last time, he didn't behave appropriately. So he was showing signs of growth. And going back to how people felt very uh, mixed feelings about having six members of Bullet Club in the G1 all at the same time, I think that is pushing them more than anyone else to step up and step forward and be like, you know what? We need, if we, if built club is going to survive, we need to prove to them that we're not just a bunch of yahoos, you know, selling shirts. We need to make it remind people why we're some of the best wrestlers in the world. I think it's more like this for Tamatanga. He's always had the tag team to kind of fall back on. And not that that's going away or anything, but, what is left for G.O.D. to possibly do in the world of wrestling? There's very little left unless they want to, like, I don't know, work AEW or something because there's not very many more high-profile, like, platforms for them. They've been everywhere. They've done it all. And at this point, it's like, for both of them, if they really want to step out and do something, they need to, like, really make a name for themselves in the singles spot. And Normally, that wouldn't even be an opportunity afforded to them anymore, just based on how talent-rich New Japan is. But with this unique opportunity, and then both being in the G1, like they got to make the most of it. And uh, you know, I'm glad to hear that Tamatonga is kind of living up to the um, potential that we've always kind of seen in him. I remember the first few years of this podcast were like, "Why isn't this guy like heavily, heavily pushed?" And then G1 after G1, we're like, "Okay." 
(laughs) (laughs) And so I, so now, now's the time. Like if ever was the time, now's the time. Well, I think we're starting to get the teases of that between, you know, the, the noticeable friction between him and Jay White as of late is that Tama's finally saying, you know what? Maybe it's time that I actually become the front man. I think it's because he's always just trying to work an angle because he's carny as fuck. Well, <laughs> aren't, aren't most wrestlers? Yes. <laughs> Honestly. Uh, but yeah, and Chase Owens, man, he was killing in this match as well. Just busting out all kinds of stuff. He, he had a Tiger Driver, STF. Uh, he had a Rolling Death Valley Driver. He's busting out V-Triggers. Uh, he, a beautiful uh, jewel heist that had Tama flipping. Like He was just busting out everything out of his arsenal here and he was trying to finish off Tama with the package pile driver, and we got one of the best gun stuns ever. He flipped out the package pile driver into a gun stun clean. Looked so nice. One, two, that three. That sounds amazing. Yeah, bro. <laughs> it, it was awesome. <laughs> flipped him out, gun stun, and once fluid, mo- fluid uh, movement. One, two, three. Tama picks up the win over Chase. Seems to be peace between these guys after the match. Uh, also went 30 and a half on this one. Uh, we had a question here from a uh, Twitter follower at conman520. Who do you think is the biggest surprise of the G1 so far? Tamatanga has been so good that I kind of want him to turn into a singles competitor. Maybe Hikaleo could replace him in GOD. Oh, I see. So Tamo would go singles and then Hikaleo would join up with uh, Tangaloa. Yeah. Wow. That'd be a bruiser tag team if they ever decided to do that. Like, that's some big boys. Um, Man, I don't know. Well, I, obviously, I haven't been watching it, so I can't really speak to this. But uh, who's been like the standout for you guys so far? Like, as far as you know, surprising performances. Well, Yujiro has been surprising me, <laughs> honestly. <laughs> and um, well, you know, I Kent is always a re- old reliable because he's always one of my favorites. But again, Tama, Tama's, you need to watch his matches, man, because he's he's doing he's starting something special. I think. Yeah, for me, I think I'm, it's also Tamatanga because, you know, we, here we've, we've kind of been on the, the Chase Hoenn's train and how good Chase is, especially when he gets, you know, uh, a serious matchup. You know, he's been in so many clothing stretches and he has, a, a you know, I think it was last year, 2019, you know, he had the most, you know, winning falls in New Japan. And we, we know how good Chase is. And, you know, that last G1 Tamman was and he was thinking it up and you know he's working really hard here and having some really good matches. So. Um, it should I guess it shouldn't be surprised, but I am surprised that Tama has been doing good. Um, and, and look, I'm looking forward to the rest of his tournament if he's going to keep wrestling like this. One thing I will say, and obviously I haven't seen the matches, but just based off the reports and the the viewing and everything, um, there might be a slight case for someone like Zack Saber Jr. as well. Um, obviously, everyone knows how good he is, but very oftentimes he's inconsistent in the sense of um, he'll have a match that like is critically praised in the next match people will be like, I don't know that Zach kind of just rolled around and like ate the guy up. And in this tournament, it seems like that he's not only having great compelling matches, but also winning them, which he doesn't typically ever do in the G one. So there's gotta be something to be said for that as well. Yeah. And his promos have been outstanding. He, Zach Sabre Jr. Has it all right now. Yes. I, I love this post match after beating Shingo. Take your G1 bracket, throw it in the bin with Naito's knees. <laughs> <laughs> we uh, we actually have a group chat where Jeremy changed his name to Soul Saber Jr. 
Buff, Buff Saber Jr. Oh yeah, Buff Saber Jr. <laughs> Which uh, I stole that from a, a Reddit user who asked a question that we're going to get to a little bit here when we get to the next A Block night. Mm, I thought you were just being really funny. Well, I, I found it funny, but <laughs> <laughs> it was not my original uh, creation. Uh, but the next matchup here, we had the uh, Aloha Maker Jeff Cobb Ooh. defeating Yoshihashi. 13 minutes and 21 seconds, and man, this match was hard-hitting. Yoshihashi, man, came to play, tried to take down, uh, you know, the big man, Jeff Cobb here, but Cobb wasn't having it. Cobb was throwing this man all over the place with belly-to-bellies and his, his spin cycles and just bruising Yoshihashi, but Yoshihashi still, you know, the little engine that could just keep trying to fight back and throw those lariats, throw those forearms, and, and try to take the big man down. God bless Yoshihashi. Like, uh, he's one of the guys that I can't help but cheer for. Because he, he's, you know, he's one of those guys that, like, he does his best, but he never gets to be the top guy. Like, him getting the Never Six Man last year and Okada stopping everyone so he could be the one to put the belt on him. It's like, it's, you, he's the underdog that never gets the payoff. So I want Yoshihashi to have more payoff. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, Yoshi- I just remember when we were in we were in Tampa for the New Beginning show, and he was fighting Lance Archer, and he just decided he's like, you know what, fuck it, and he just <laughs> threw himself out of, out of the ring at, at Lance Archer, and I'm like, good on you, son, keep doing more of that, but don't die. <laughs> and yeah, Yoshashi was doing some wild stuff in this match. He did, a, he did a dragon suplex to Cobb at one point, and throughout the whole match, he it looked like he was trying to go for a power bomb, and even Kevin Kelly was like, yo, Yoshihashi, he keeps trying to go for a power bomb. Why is he doing this? But actually, he was trying to hit a destroyer, which he finally hit towards the end of the match. I lost my mind. I I never seen Yoshihashi do a Canadian destroyer. <laughs> <laughs> that was dope. Hits, hits, on Jeff Cobb, right on Cobb. Yeah, hits the destroyer on Cobb. Um, goes um, for the Western Lariat. Uh, gets a near fall, but then um, you know Cobb wasn't having that. Hauls him up for a German. Uh, eventually gets him up for the uh, the tour of the islands. One, two, three. And Cobb gets the the big win over Yoshihashi, and I went uh, three point seven five on that matchup for those keeping track of my star ratings. Mm. I, I went four on that one. <laughs> By the end of this, you're going to be a huge Yoshihashi fan, Joshua. Oh, that ship has sailed. I've um, I've already come around on Yoshihashi as of probably like last year last like we were already coming around on him after the the six-man tag title matches and everything but then uh like last year in the g1 he was just like murking like the whole block for a little while there like so yeah i mean i've i've got faith in uh yoshiashi if he was having bad matches i'd be like oh man this man decided to go backwards he backslid you know <laughs> see, see see part of me wants him to dethrone okada tomorrow night because i am a bad person so i'm like you know what let yoshiashi ha- let, let him have this after well, all the time he's been in the company let him have it that's not a bad pick though if you really think about it if if like hypothetically if you're booking okada to be in play at the end or to even um win the block obviously He's got he's got to eat some falls, and it can't all be to big name people that he would necessarily lose a tiebreaker to. He has to have at least probably one big upset loss to someone that you don't expect. Why not do Yoshihashi? 
make, make that the Yujiro Ibushi match. Yeah, and they are in Corkin. Uh, you know how Yoshiashi gets the down. King in of Korakuen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, Cobb gets four points now, and Yoshiashi stuck at zero points, looking for his first win. So we move on to the semi-main event of the evening. We had Taichi defeating Sonata, twenty-five minutes and fifteen seconds. Um, I'm not gonna lie, this this match started kind of slow for me. I felt like it, it dragged uh, for a hot minute here, and you know, typically you, you kind of get that with Taichi in the, in the first few minutes. He's kind of doing the, the, the choking and a little bit more shenanigans, and then he picks up. And then uh, I don't know what Sonata was doing in this match, uh, but. It took a while for them to to get going and you know pick up the pace and and work the match. Um, but yeah, for for twenty five minutes, it, there was a lot of nothing for the first half. I didn't see this match, but I actually heard a lot of really positive things about it. That they like went really, really, really hard. But um, looking at it on paper, just thinking of the fact that it's not in Tai Chi and like some of their if they tended to lean into their worst tendencies, I could see how it might not be my cup of tea, you know, uh, depending on what they did. I could also see how if they like leaned into their best qualities, it could be, it, you know, a sleeper hit. So it's, that's when I probably got to see. It was good, but it didn't need to be 25 minutes. That's the one thing I was, I was like 25 minutes. That seems, well, it, they, but it's they the could have easily event. shaved off five to seven minutes and it would have been delicious. But it just it it, it it was slow starting, so it was just like, come on, come on, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and I feel like it's almost lazy at this point to continually harp on that big talking point that every New Japan talking head is sort of bringing up, you know, with the match links. But it is a reoccurring theme in that. You know, the main event, some of the main events are going, you know, over 20, very often going over 25 minutes. And um, it's not always necessary. You know, they're, they're not doing it selectively or, you know, I don't know. It's 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 something to the point where it's almost for many people becoming a bit of a detriment to their enjoyment of the product, which is not a good thing. Yeah. And, you know, when, when the law matches are good, you don't hear as many complaints. But, yeah, when you have a match that's kind of like this, uh, you, you see the complaints and. Uh, I get it, but like you mentioned, it, it's a semi-main event, and you know you, you got to give the people their, their money's worth. Uh, but yeah, throughout this match, it seemed like Taichi. I don't know if this is a shoot or not, but Kevin Kelly mentioned a, a back injury that he that he was working through. Um, so that was kind of a focal point in the match as well. Um, they they teased the O'Connor roll finish. Uh, Sonata got his first win with the O'Connor roll, and so trying to use that again. Uh, but eventually, uh, Taichi uh, after Sonata misses a moonsault, gets him up for the Black Mephisto, nails it pretty much at the 25-minute mark, one, two, three. Tai Chi gets the win here, and he moves up to four points. So him and Zach, Dangerous Techers, undefeated thus far in the tournament, and Sonata is at two points. Not only that, think about, you know, the very fact that it's freaking Tai Chi... <laughs> a guy who like couldn't get into the tournament a couple years ago, you know, beating pretty much clean the guy that was the runner up in the G1 just last year. Like that's a huge testament to like their faith in him over this, you know, past year. Yeah, that that's that's huge. 
Well, let's uh, move on to the main event of this A Block night. We had the Rainmaker, Kazuchika Okada, defeating Evil with Dick Togo, 21 minutes and 46 seconds. Um, you know, for me, I, I think I just hate Evil so much. <laughs> I really had a whole, I, I saw I saw a lot of you know people going good reviews on this match. I saw a lot of three and a halfs, and I'm like, I don't know, man. I, I watch it it's every every you know Dick Togo interference, every uh, shenanigan, every, every powder, every every single heel thing that Evil did. I was just like, here we go. And I just, I don't know. I'm I'm just kind of over the the whole evil, you know, interference and stick. But I mean, Okada was working really hard. Obviously, you know, the whole Raymaker is back is a big part of his G1, and he worked really hard and did a lot of his signature stuff, which is why I went three stars flat on it. But just every, you know, interference spot from Dick Togo and the, the normal evil stuff was it's really kind of wearing on me. Those guys caught lightning in a bottle one time, you know years and years ago in the G1 and it's never happened again <laughs> time after time <laughs> yeah Karen's talking but okay. she actually has us on mute so she doesn't even realize sorry about that I was <laughs> like why did Josh talk over me oh it means the dog was howling I'm sorry um she's calmed down now uh one of the things that I've no- that's noticeably scaled back this year with Bullet Club is that you know Giotto, they're Tama and and Loa. They're not letting Giotto get as involved in the matches, and you know, with Jay being here, Ghetto's not getting involved in every single match. The problem that Evil has is that Dick Togo is involved in his matches to a fault, to where I don't know if Evil's wrestling or Dick Togo is the actual wrestler in the match, <laughs> and it feels like training wheels. You know, Jay is here on his own. He he doesn't have Ghetto to get involved. It's Jay has to do everything himself. I feel like if if Dick Togo removed himself from the equation, do you know, let Evil that he can wrestle and can be a heel on his own, that'd be great. But I feel like Dick Togo's like helicopter parenting him to the point where you know, of course, no one's going to believe him. To ever be a credible champion, let alone get a clean or decent, not even clean, decent win in the G1, because you know he's not doing it by himself anymore. Right. And when he was in LIJ, there wasn't nobody running in for him. He was on his own. Right. And a point I made a couple of weeks ago, I feel like you know, they're doing a ton of smoke and mirrors with him. And typically, as a booker, as a promoter, whatever, normally you use smoke and mirrors for a guy you want to push and maybe they're not the best wrestler or they're not the best talker or whatever. And you use smoke and mirrors to kind of hide their weaknesses and make them look better. But they're yeah. using smoke and mirrors for evil and it's making him look worse. Um, right. like, he, like you mentioned, LIJ, like he, yeah, he did, you know, the baseball chair spot. He did a couple things where he would kind of, cause LIJ was kind of tweeners and he would kind of cheat and he had good matches. And now yeah. to the point now it's like, He's, the smoking mirrors is making him worse. He's having bad matches, even with a guy like Kazuchika Okada, who's one of the best uh, wrestlers of a generation, yeah. and he, he can't manage to have a decent main event with him. I just, well, he, oh, go ahead. Here's the thing, too. Um, a lot. It's, I don't think it's necessarily just about making a guy look good or making a guy look bad. You know, it, it comes from this line of logic where 
we're trying to get heat, brother. You know, we're trying to get, you know, you know, the heat from the crowd. And it's like, but we're in the middle of a pandemic with clap crowds. So we have literally no idea aside from maybe some online metrics, how people even really are reacting to this, whether it's positive negatively, or if it's like, you know, the dreaded go away heat where the people are just apathetic and, you know, don't even want to pay for it anymore. But, um, you know, if I was guessing, it would seem to me that that's more in line with how things have been received as opposed to uh, the initial enthusiasm that a lot of people had. So I don't know, you know, it's weird that they just continuously have decided to sort of double down on this, especially since, you know, evil is one of their dojo guys, someone that they are heavily invested into for the future. And uh, I don't know. I don't, I just, I've always questioned since day one with the turn, the methods, you know, the layout of his matches and it's just kind of continued on. And it's to the point where like, at least I could say for me, I, I don't want to watch wrestling more. Yeah. And I, and he used to be kind of okay. Yeah, like as a, someone who was who and still is a very huge LIJ fan, and he was one of my favorites in LIJ because he was so underrated. The problem is that again, I feel like Dick Togo's smothering him a bit, and he's not allowed to prove to people that he can win matches. Or you know, yeah, he had like chair spots and stuff like that, but he's not he's not being allowed to do it on his own. So people don't see any value or any ability anymore because it's it is all smoke and mirrors and constantly formulaic Dick Togo getting involved in everything. Right. And you know, people and I'm tired of it. It's because Dick Togo's a, a freaking, you know, fan of CWA, you know. Well then like, he can that- join the <laughs> roster and wrestle with the rest of them. He just the- he, he shouldn't get a fat paycheck just to hang out and profit off of somebody else doing all the work. Oh, he's doing more than just uh, hanging around. He's semi-booking that shit. But, um, you know, he, he it's his idea, in my opinion, that they got him out here looking like Jerry Lawler in, like, 1985 or, like, superstar Bill Dundee, you know? Like, that's the idea of, like, how they're portraying him is, like, you know, he's basically come across as, like, a chicken shit, you know, when he really shouldn't be given his stature, his build, and, you know, everything we've kind of seen from him in the past. I don't know. Right. And, and you know, people, again, will they'll want to argue, be like, oh, well, it's Bullet Club. He's a heel. He's supposed to get heat. Again, like we said over and over again, look back to Prince Devitt. Look back to AJ Styles. Look back to Kenny Omega. These guys were heels. They were leader of the Bullet Club. They had cheating in their matches, and they still had great matches. So it, it can be done. And you know what, too, though, um, none of that that stuff has always been in New Japan, literally like since the 80s. So it's not like that's not um, ingrained into the product on some level. But, you know, when this company went through their renaissance, you know, starting like 2013, 2014, people weren't you know, clamoring to see New Japan because like, oh, you have to see the Suzuki Goon running during, you know, during these, uh, you know, bull rope matches. It was like, holy shit, they're having like the best wrestling matches in the world because these guys can go and it's clean and, you know, it's almost like a sport. You know, they weren't tuning in to watch, you know, Doc Gallows like club someone in the back when like the referee wasn't <laughs> looking. Like that's not what people were you know, trying to watch new Japan for. And like, I, I almost feel like they don't see that or get that, you know? 
And I mean, there's a time and place for it, for sure. I'm not like opposed to it, but this has become a heat promotion over the past year. Yeah. Uh, we have some questions here. Uh, first from uh, from Facebook, Stephen Witeka. He says, we are all talking, we're all talking evil to get out of Bullet Club, but with Tama online comments about Jay White, could Tama side with evil or kick them out? Do you think NJPW might get rid of Bullet Club? It's interesting because, you know, Bullet Club initially was a all-foreigners faction. Am I correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the the addition of Japanese talent to Bullet Club throughout the years has been an interesting choice. But I'm wondering if they're getting to the point where they're now getting too big. And if there is to be a, another firing squad moment or another Bullet Club Civil War. Or if the House of Torture is the start of a split, whether, you know, dissolving Bullet Club and rebranding as something else could be interesting. I feel like they need to do that to Chaos first. (laughs) Yeah. Chaos Uh, needs it a lot more than uh, to feel fresh. And same thing with Hauntai. They need need to, like, just, like, take the roster and just shuffle everything. I I think the thing... I I feel like Jay White might be uh, hitting his expiration date as the leader or front man Han- handsome handsome uh blue-eyed guy <laughs> of bullet club yeah i think the thing with bullet club i mean as, as long as they're selling merch uh, i think they're they're trying, right. they're trying to hold on to that that bullet club legacy yeah. uh, of merch but i think bullet club's kind of maybe lost the plot and lost lost its you know reason for existence like you mentioned it, it was that all heel gaijin faction you had Yujiro as like the one Japanese guy that was apart for so long, which made him special in the group, and um, you know the group had its purpose, a purpose of being those heel gaijins. And now, when you have Kenta and Ujiro and Evil, uh, Dick Togo, Gato, Jado, like the the group is now just kind of turned into a normal faction that has Japanese talent as well. Um, it kind of loses part of the reason why Bull Club was even a thing, and I think splitting up. Bull Club into the whole House of Torture thing. I'm not looking forward to the matches, but I think that creatively that might be the best thing to do. If they could make House of Torture into a group within Bullet Club that uses submission moves over, you know, pinfalls or whatever, because you have show with, you know, the snake bite, you've got evil with the scorpion, deathlock. You know, Yujiro needs to figure something out, but if you could, now hear me out on this. Add Kento with his game over and Ishimori and just send them off on their own way. Amicably, violently, I don't care. But then you'd have a group, you know, I think adding Ishimori and Kento to that group could give them a little more legitimacy. But then you run into the same problem, which guy's the front guy? Because, you know, Kento tends to be a fair bit more charismatic, you know, than evil is. Because they don't ever let evil talk. <laughs> so you're saying that you want them to become a shoot style Inokiism esque group. I'm all for that. I want mur- <laughs> I want my murder machine boy to do the murders, but he needs he needs everybody else to do the murders. If you, we want House of Torture to, you know, make their opponents beg for them to stop, not to make the fans beg them to stop really bad matches. <laughs> um, 
you know, there's a lot of different things you could say about this. I, I think you guys have kind of covered some of the, um, you know, inline like story elements of it, but like peeling the curtain back a little bit, I, I honestly think part of the main reason that this is happening has to do with the Gaijin unrest that we talked about earlier last year, having to do with a lot of these, um, you know, Gaijin talents that are bull club and, you know, other groups declining to come work the G1. And also that kind of includes uh, United Empire sort of being like the definitive, you know, heel stable in New Japan as they were like kind of poised to be this past year. And since that's not happening and since the rest of the bull club's not there, I think they kind of had to revert to this, uh, you know, rearing up another like heel stable, sort of like what, what happened initially when evil first turned, you know, um, not to say that there haven't been some plans to do some sort of feud between Jay and evil, because obviously that seems to sort of be in the cards last year during the G1, but you know, they kind of got away from it post G1 and we never heard from it again. Um, as far as Tamatanga, I mean, this might sound a little derogatory, but I almost want to guess that he doesn't ever actually know what's going on with the long-term direction of Bullet Club because every time he like comes out and addresses like issues and stuff, it always ends up not falling in line with where the direction, like the booking direction of the group ends up being. (laughs) But I think he's always trying to make like the best educated, like guess and stay in character and like work the angle and kind of keep the avenues open that way whatever they decide to do, you know, cause remember like initially when like Jay first joined the group and he's like, ain't no leader of bullet club, you know, there's no leaders. And then like uh, uh, two weeks later, he's like, yeah, Jay's the leader. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's done stuff like that in the past. And like, I think the idea that like Jay not, you know, the idea, I think there are like, is this um sort of idea that's been put out there, you know, that initially like the OGs, like almost that, like the, the bull clubs, like a mafia and like that there's a board that like him and like Fale and, you know, they call up to the fed and they get like Finn Balor's input and they get like AJ Styles input <laughs> and they, and they swear in like the new guy who's going to be like the leader or whatever. But you know, it's not really like that. It's just Gato fucking decides. <laughs> 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 and I, I i don't know what's going to end up happening long term but it's pretty clear that they're gonna house of torture is gonna like spin off or whatever and um i don't know where tamatanga will actually end up between those two groups you know um if i was him i would do everything in my power to stay part of bull club and that's probably what he'd want too because the money's probably better there he's probably just saying that that uh jay stuff just to kind of like Keep the the fire going, the fuel that add fuel to the fire. Yeah, add fuel to the fire. He's done stuff like that in the past where he's acted like you know. I think even like when um when Jay didn't initially like congratulate Evil to join the group, he's like, oh man, he's getting a little big for his britches, you know. But then clearly that's just him, like you know, like I said, just kind of like keeping interest in the Tamatanga brand alive, keeping interest in the storyline alive, and it's smart. It's not a bad idea, but I don't know if he ever actually knows what's really going to happen <laughs> or if he does he plays it you know pretty aloof and just kind of keeps things going you know yeah next question here from reddit user boots and burns his past heels at njpw were overbooked nonsense matches and eventually had a minimal interference in their matches 
like Prince Devitt, Tetsuya Naito, and Jay White. When do you think it's going to happen with Evil? Do you think Gato is waiting for crowds to be able to make audible reactions and for them to loudly boo Evil? With COVID not going away anytime soon, I think we're stuck with this Evil for a while. Hot take is Togoism just Gatoism with a scapegoat in Dick Togo. No. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> but I, I see what he's saying. So he's saying that in the past, some of these other guys have kind of re- had to rely on those things as well. And then eventually they were kind of like moved away from it. Yeah. Um, There might be some truth to that. You know, not, I don't think that's uh, like, for instance, like with Prince Devitt, that never really happened. You know, like that was kind of going on until literally the night he left the company. So, um, you know, I, this is my opinion on it. I think that there will always be somebody that could benefit from that heat. And so as long as there's at least one guy that needs it, that's when you kind of move it off of, you know, cause we've seen it before. Like, you know, it was AJ and then it was Naito and then it was Kenny and then it was Suzuki and then it was, you know, you know, whoever, and then evils now or Jay white. And then now evil, you know, and it's, it's it kind of just like, it's like the, um, it's like the ace hood, but for, you know, bullshit in your matches, you know? <laughs> and so I'm just, I think that it, it's just going to sit on him until someone else kind of needs that trope for their matches for whatever, you know, storyline purposes. And then they can kind of move it off of him. I think the big problem has become that it's not isolated to one individual, but it's been more prevalent across the company as a whole. I would agree with that. Yeah, um, I just think that, you know, waiting, if, if Gato's going to wait, I think he would have probably just waited on the whole thing because he's not getting any reactions right now. And if he wanted to kind of wait for reactions, I think they, he would have waited to kind of do his whole thing when he could have got reactions to the turn and the cheating and the heat. So I don't think we're going to see minimal interference in evil's matches anytime soon as long as dick togo is with him and kind of in control of his creative and booking um so the... go ahead josh i was no i wasn't i wasn't gonna speak I, i'm just getting a look of disgust on my face because like it, it's, it makes me so mad because it, it takes a wrestler that i actually like kind of beloved in dick togo and makes me like actively dislike him <laughs> <laughs> It's like, like I want to tell people, like, no, he he's really good. Like, trust me. Like, go watch, go watch him in like Big Japan and stuff. You know, right? And, and that's that's why everybody can't book. You can be a great wrestler, but not not everybody can be, be in that bookers room. But uh, I can book. I think you, you book pretty good territory. I, I would. I couldn't book. I would suck <laughs> at it. Uh. Well, let's move on to the last A block night that we're going to talk about here from Kobe World, September 26th. The show opened up. We had a non-tournament match. Master Wato defeating Kosei Fujita, 6 minutes and 21 seconds. Uh, thought was a good opener here. Master Wato really kind of just sticking to a lot of the, the basics here. Didn't do a ton of high flying. Uh, Russell had a good match. Thought Fujita looked really good as well. Uh, Karen, what do you think about this? I, what I like about it is that it makes it feel like they're trying to give Watto something to do and give him more confidence in helping him come in, into his own. Kosei Fujita is going to be something absolutely amazing. 
I, I just I have a gut feeling on him. But it, it's one of those things like, you know, a lot of people downplay or, you know, talk not so highly of Watto, even though he's doing his best. But it's uh, it's interesting that, you know, someone so young is being tr- entrusted with young lion matches. I mean, my big question here is, you know, who they booked to go over. I mean, I feel like Fujita probably could have beat Watto here, you know? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> also, um, wouldn't it be cool if when he gets his gimmick, they change his name to Kosei Vegeta? And then he comes out with, like, the, like... Saiyan armor? Yeah, the freaking Saiyan armor and shit. Like, that'd be dope, right? I mean, it wouldn't be the first, like, weird, you know, costume gimmick that we've seen for a young lion coming back. <laughs> One last thing, and this will be my last... Uh... <laughs> Your last Actually, hot take? My last hot take on this uh, Watto uh, Fujita classic. Uh, one thing. Um, last week, someone t- told us – or actually, I'm sorry. It was uh, Danny. Danny was mistaken. I got to call it out. Still love you, Danny. But uh, he said that um, show's new finisher – what is it called? The snake bite. The snake bite. He said that that's a go-go plata. It is not a go-go plata. As a, that's what Chris Charlton called it on commentary, and I believe it, that's what it's it was not. listed on the website as well. It's not a go-go plata. I've I did jujitsu for many years. That's not a go-go plata. It's um. It's basically. It's close to a go-go plata. It's closer to a triangle choke. He's using his hands to to choke the carotid artery on one side and then pulling that up against the shin. But like a go-go plata is, doesn't look the same at all. Go-go plata is a shin choke where you're literally putting the shin directly under the person's air and then pulling down their head. So it, it might be like a derivative of it, but it's not a go-go plata. And when I watched, I did watch that match and I was like, Oh, I was like, that's not a, that's not a go-go plata at all. Um, but the next thing is, um, am I the only one with the young lions, when they come out bald, who gets really excited to see what their real hair is going to look like down the line? No, I do too. <laughs> I always get excited. I'm what do you always look like, hair? Like, what's this dude going to look like? like <laughs> you know? I mean, think about Suji. I mean, who knew what kind of luscious locks this man was going to end up, you know, having? We had no idea. Yeah, and Yamura has a pretty good uh, head of hair too. No, nah, fuck that. Um, <laughs> Suji has... How dare you? You leave my son alone. <laughs> fuck all you that You come noise. after Ren, it's over, man. I'm going. To, I'm driving down there. <laughs> Ren Narita, like, he's got he's, a bad hair. He's got a bad haircut, too. He's got, like, a bowl cut. Like They're, they're turning him into Shibata 2.0. He's just Shibata. He's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, uh, if I could turn into Shibata, I would. Let's be honest. <laughs> He's Shibata, but he's got the face of Tai Chi, low key. No one ever talks about it. Yes. Oh, how <laughs> dare you? You leave him alone. Oh, man. Let's gonna... with me now, Josh, or you're coming after my, my, my young lion sons. Oh, man. You know what, though? I, I am proud. We've literally been on the Renderita train since like day one of this podcast. Yeah. I'm proud of you. But uh, this back to this match here, Watto, he gets the win. He uses a Boston Crab to get the win here to beat Vegeta, so kind of putting the young lion in his place. Um, you know, six-minute match, so obviously a ton didn't happen here, but it, it was a good way to kick off the show. He should have bust out the TTD and, like, you know, you know, sent a message. Should have pulled out the, uh, the spiral tap, that RPP. Yeah. yeah, the RPP. He should have pulled that out. I don't know why he's – come on. 
then the next matchup, we had the Dragon, Shingo Takagi, defeating Yuji Nagata, 16 minutes, 51 seconds. This match won? was freaking awesome. Shingo, think? <laughs> <laughs> the Dragon, the, Blue Justice fought hard, though. But this was not a night off for Shingo. Blue Justice came out, and he was exploder suplexing this man all over the place. Shingo took a big explorer suplex on the floor, uh, explorer suplex in the ring. Uh, Blue Justice was throwing this man all over the place, and both guys worked super hard here. Again, Shingo didn't have to work as hard. Um, you know, he, he got his two points for the forfeit. This was supposed to be a night off for him. But they're in Kobe world, a uh, big arena for him that he, he ran in Dragon Gate. Uh, wanted, yep. to, wanted to fight for those two points. And this is actually the first singles match between Shingo and Yuji Nagata, which was awesome too. And you know how Blue Justice gets down. So this was, it was a great matchup. I think I went. Uh, did I go four stars flat on this? Uh, yeah, I went four stars flat. Uh, great opener. Um, Eugene Nagata, I wish he would have not you know, took himself out of the G1 because he could definitely still run it in uh, you know, in a full G1, and him and Chingo killed it here. It's another way, another great way to kind of start the show off here. Eugene Nagata, 53 years old, his oldest possible 53-year-old Eugene Nagata, he did his best that day, <laughs> as he does every day. Yeah, he did. Any other thoughts on the match, Karen? Hey, well, it, I mean, you summed it up perfectly. Like, Yuji Nagata can still go, and it makes me sad that he's not in the G1, but I understand why he chose to step down in order to give other people, seeing as some of the people that are <laughs> participating are half his age. Um, and I did like that Shingo, you know, he, he understands, and the company understands how important Kobe as a city is to him. It's kind of like when Naito goes to Hiroshima. Everyone, you know... You can be the best person in the company, but if you step into a ring with Naito and Hiroshima, you're going to get booed out of the building. So it, even as an undercard match, I really enjoyed it. What if Yuji Nagata reformed the Blue Justice Army, but he was like more like a a dad role within that group, and then he like brought in like all the like you know like Yo and people like that, people that have nowhere to go, you know. Didn't collect great. all the orphans. Yeah, collect all the orphans <laughs> and the orphans of of Nagata. That'd be I'll be down for that. That'd be pretty dope. See, the thing is, is that his young boy in the day was Show. Mm. Yeah, well, we all know how that worked out. Show be making those goofy faces. We don't got space for him in the Blue Justice <laughs> Army, you know. <laughs> I still love him. Leave him alone. I don't even know what the fuck those faces are like. <laughs> He's calmed down with them, but that first day, like, I don't think he'll ever live that down. They're well, the like... thing is that, like, I guess a lot of people get on him because they say he has no personality. Like, he's a great fighter, but he doesn't show emotion in the ring. Mm. So, you know, and he's used to being a plucky baby face for nine years. So now I just like, be a bad guy. And he's like, um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll try. I'll do my best. When we talked about that, um, that first match that he came out to, like, fight Yo or whatever. And, like, this man came out wearing black with purple trim. Like, could you be any more obvious about what is happening next? Yeah. Like, <laughs> Yum. I did like that if you look close enough, it's it's kind of a it, – I'm pretty sure it's a, it's a Tekken reference. It's a Devil Jin cosplay, which is pretty sick because Devil Jin's a really good character. So, I'm more of a law guy myself. Oh, yeah. It is what it is. We all can't be perfect, Joshua. Who do, who do you, no, I like Eddie and I like uh, King. Who do you like on Tekken, Jeremy? Uh, I tend oh, and and Karen. 
<laughs> I was like, oh, I play Tekken too, but sorry, know. that's all right. You know, girls don't game; it's fine. <laughs> that's not yeah. what I was implying at all. I, I know. I'm just giving you. A tough I was just time. trying to include Jeremy. He's being quiet. I just want him to be part of it. Oh, I was waiting for my my time to slide in. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go. I'll tag you in. Go ahead. Uh, yeah, for me, uh, definitely, yeah, King. You know, dude with the tiger, cheetah head, whatever it was, was my go-to guy. Like he was like a supposed to be like Tiger Mask, you know. He was he was a, like a luchador doing all these wrestling you, you, moves. You know, Suzuki did the motion cap for that that character, right? Yeah. No, I didn't know that. Yo, I think in Tekken two. Yeah. I could, yeah, I could be wrong, but I think that's it. Nice. Uh, we'll move on to the uh, next A block matchup here. Uh, well, actually, the first A block match of this night, the Great Okan. He defeats Yujiro Takahashi, fourteen minutes fifteen seconds. Uh, Karen, what do you think about this? Yeah, it was what it was. It was, it was, I enjoyed it. It was fun to watch. Again, I'm enjoying seeing Okarn flourish in his first G1. Because, you know, we've talked previously on other shows that I'm kind of been late to the Okarn train. Like, I'm tr- I'm trying to understand it. I'm trying to get behind it. Um, I think he's growing on me, but I feel like I still need to see more. Yeah. I feel kind of bad for Ocon so far in the tournament. I feel like he's gotten not the right set of opponents to start off with because I think there's a lot of people who are down on him or don't think, you know, he there's much with him. And then he starts off, he gets to wrestle, you know, Yujiro and Yano, and he's, he's not having a great set of opponents. Like, I think if he had a first match, you know, banger with Ishii, that would help people like, oh, Ocon can go. Uh, he, he, he didn't get to drop Kota Ibushi on the first night of the G1. Right, like that—that that could have been a great spot for him instead of Yudro. Um, but I guess it's more of a shocking thing for Yudro. So I get what they were doing there, but I just feel like he's—he's he's up against all these opponents that are really not suited for his style and really helping him kind of get over. So we're kind of getting just some of these okay, all right matches. Like I thought this match was fine. Uh, you know, it, it was 14 minutes, wasn't too long, and uh, I mean, the work was solid. I mean, but it just, I don't know, it just didn't really go anywhere. So it was kind of a forgettable match for me. Right. Essentially, it was almost an extended squash match and, and putting over uh, Great Ocon. Um, he uses his, uh, his new little uh, sheep killer submission that he's been using and hits the eliminator. One, two, three. And he gets the pin over Udro. And he's now at eight points. He's undefeated in the A block. And then Udro is at four points here's how good of a job uh gato is doing with the booking we are in a new japan group uh with some other fans from different backgrounds and just today one of the fans of the group was like can't count out okan eight no baby he can go all the way Oh, that and, optimism uh, is so cute. And I was like, man, you know, if uh, you know, if Gato can book this guy strong enough to get people to, you know, believe in him like that, they're doing something right, you know. Yeah, I've just I've been tainted. I've seen too many G ones. I've seen too many like Gatoisms. I know it's going to happen. You know, you start off strong like this, this guy's gonna take you know some major losses, probably to Okada, and uh, even if he does end with a you know. A tied point he's gonna get you know he's gonna lose the tiebreaker but he's probably gonna lose more than that i i think he's got at least three losses coming his way for the rest of the tournament probably yeah i don't Especially, see him i don't see him beating ishii or saber oh i see or he could, I, he, 
I agree with two of those, but he could easily beat Ishii. They don't give a fuck about Ishii. Ishii can lose to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> earlier, earlier in the episode when you were talking about like Yujiro being like the guy that tries so hard and he's never going to win the big one, I was like, well, there's always Ishii. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, moving on to the next matchup, we had Toro Yano defeating Tangaloa 10 minutes and 46 seconds. And like I said earlier... My patience is running thin with Yano. Again, another 10-minute comedy match. He comes out literally with a bag of gimmicks, um, trying to bust out the handcuff and the tape and all this stuff to, to, to tie up Tangaloa. And Loa's chasing him around, and it's just the, the Toro Yano comedy show once again. And uh, Yano uses the ref to uh, get to... Um, it's stuff with the uh, backfire interference with a candlestick shot. Um, and then Yano uses distraction, low blow, roll up to get the win. One, two, three. Yano defeats Tangaloa. I wonder if there, if I had been watching these shows, if there'd be that point in the episode where I'm like, hey, I think you're being a little too harsh. And then I could like talk you into coming back around on the, on the Yano thing. No, he's doing all right. <laughs> <laughs> See, the only thing, the only nuance in this match that's lost was that because Chris wasn't there to translate for it is that Yano's reasoning for bringing the bag out was that he didn't have a second in his corner. So the mm. bag was labeled secondo, which is second. <laughs> so he was, like, he was like, if he can have, if he can have Jono, I can have this bag. And that was like the big negotiating point. Mm. So it, I, I, I mean, that like makes if, sense to me logically. Yes. But, you know, it, like, you know, he didn't have the rolls of tape tucked in his tights this time. He had a whole bag full of handcuffs and tape. And he's like, he, he's like, you can't. This doesn't count. It's not a person. It's it, he's like he's like, but I need it. You're like, no, you don't, honey. <laughs> That's some kinky shit. <laughs> Maybe he should join the house of torture. <laughs> yeah. Oh man. Uh, moving on to the semi-main event of the evening, we had Kenta defeating Tomohiro Ishii. Oof. Twenty-one minutes eight seconds. Karen, what do you think about this banger Oof, right here? This match. When when the two of them get in the ring, I just love watching it. And it's not just because of the wonderfully amazing Tomo promos that Kenta does during the G1. <laughs> it's 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 the absolute like they basically they they take it as that we're the old guys that can still go. We're gonna show you that we can fucking go, and they just lay into each other. They but, hit each other so hard. Yes, that that one time in the UK they had to like rush to the finish because like Kenta was like completely out on his feet and concussed yeah. i would suggest you watch this match joshua yeah we, we got i'll yeah. make i'll make a list i'll watch some stuff watch the g1 <laughs> i know i'm trying guys then you, you then you can understand our our um not disdain but our, our increasing frustration about yano matches well i might not watch those but i'm gonna watch <laughs> some can, of it you can skip those then <laughs> But uh, yeah, these guys were definitely hitting hard in this match. I mean, Kenta with the, the open hand slap, the palm strikes and slaps to Ishii, and Ishii with the forearms. Like these guys were laying it into each other. Uh, Kenta working over the the injured arm of Ishii in the match. You know, Ishii had that arm hurt during the Shingo match, struggled with that that brain bust where he almost killed Shingo. Uh, so Kenta worked that over to kind of set up the the game over. Ishii does what Ishii does. He he smashes and was trying to. Uh, put down Kenta, uh, but in the end, uh, he could not get 
uh, past Kenta. Kenta used the exposed uh, corner to uh, smash Ishii into that and get a schoolboy with a handful of trunks. So he steals one from Ishii here. One, two, three. Kenta picks up a win. He gets a six points. Ishii is stuck at two points, and I went 3.75 on this one. Nice. So then we move to the main event of the evening. Zack Sabre Jr. once again pulls out another win. He defeats the Golden Ace uh, Kota. Excuse me, the uh, is that his name? The Golden Golden Star. Golden Star. Golden Ace. What? Him and, him and what Tanahashi. Ace requires Tanahashi. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking the Golden Ace. <laughs> I was thinking of the tag team. Yeah, the the Golden Star Kota Abushi. But you know that's the thing I was talking about earlier in the episode. Like that's the one thing he hasn't become: the golden ace. That's the next step for him. That's the next level. That's Super Saiyan Four. Or for the him. golden heel. It's one of the two. Golden Ozaku, <laughs> Kota Ibushi. <laughs> oh man! But Karen, what do you think about this one? I mean, I, I like going back to what we said about Zack Sabre Jr. earlier. I love that he's dropping everybody's favorites. Like mm-hmm. he's. He, he, like, like and I, I made a comment on Twitter that, you know, Tom Tonga had showed up with his, his, his hunting license this time around. But Zach is just dropping everybody's favorites. And he, he's so smug and so good. Like when he started his pro, his, his pro, post match promo in Japanese, and he's like, come by to show. Let's do it. Like, like he was like, I'm like, why is Zach cutting a baby face promo in Japanese? And then he just like flipped it the complete opposite way. And I'm like, this is your moment, son. This is it. This like, it made me want him to win more than ever. Because Zach sees that there's a an opening for a baby face gaijin. He's like, I'm sliding in the spot. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, it, and and speaking of like big game licenses, you know, earlier in the tournament he beat a dragon. Um, makes me wonder if there's another dragon that he might need to uh, slay in the near future. You know well, what I'm he, saying? He did call out. He said, I, I slay the Japanese dragon. Where is the American dragon? <laughs> so Saber, Saber's already called him out. Brian Danielson also called out Saber. He did, did an interview saying... He, he wants his award. <laughs> yeah, he's like, I'm tired of this guy winning my award every year. I want to face Saber in England and beat him and get my damn award back. <laughs> Have you guys ever seen that match? No. No. Uh, it's can, out can that, there. Can, is, is it a good match? It is good. I'm not going to – I've already picked the recommended match of the week. And I was going to say that could be your recommended match of the week. But. It, it can't because it's not New Japan. Ah, uh, I see. But um, no, if you get a chance, you should check that out. So that was like an O – I think somewhere between 06 08, and um, they fuck up. Uh, the, the referee fucks up. And like the whole deal is Danielson's going to go – or I'm sorry, uh, Zack Sabre Jr. is going to go over, but they fuck up a pinfall and like – like uh zach doesn't kick out in time and the, and the referee like counts the three so then like brian wins Oops. and then brian like improvises in the middle of it and like there was this one fan that was heckling him the whole time he gets on the mic and he goes back and forth with the fan and he gets the he uses the fan as a means to get the the audience to agree to let them to do two out of three falls and then he drops the next two falls to zach and kind of saves the match That's but sweet. uh and that was like early in Zach's career. He was like yep. no nowhere near as good as he is now. And it's uh that that actually won like the British wrestling match of the year for that year. So yeah, it's definitely one worth checking out if you've never seen it. Yeah, I definitely have to check that out. But yeah, I definitely need a, a modern day um American Dragon versus Zack Saber match. That'll that'll be dope. 
But um, I believe I uh, also picked Zack Sabre to beat Kotobushi on this night as well. So, you know, I wish I would have turned a bracket. I probably would have done well this year. Yeah, you would have been Could've killing it. some money. <laughs> um, but, but these guys always oh, – except for uh, last year in the New Japan Cup, I, I didn't love that match. But other than that, these guys pretty much almost always deliver against one another um no matter what style they work here and i'm hearing nothing but positive things about this match for me i always like kind of giggle because when my very first nxt live uh experience at full sale was the finals of the cruiserweight uh, classic Mm. and they were both semi-finalists in their respective matches and i always wondered what would have happened if the two of them had been the finalists in that match so like every year, whenever they have like their G one match or the you know, New Japan Cup match or whatever, I'm just like I'm like, oh, good times. But I I've never I've never not enjoyed a match of theirs. That was the um tweet that uh Zach sent out a year or two ago where he like uh <laughs> there's a picture of them like I think from the cruiserweight or no from the G one and he's like. I think we made the right decision there, mate. Hey, <laughs> I remember that one. Yeah, yeah, they definitely uh, made the right call, not signing and doing the whole two hundred five live thing. That's why every time I they wrestle, I'm like, I'm so glad they did not <laughs> go to WWE. But yeah, this was another uh, good matchup here again. I still think Abushi is not wrestling 100. percent I think it's on purpose. Um, I, I went four and a quarter on this match. It's kind of give you kind of a, a range of where I think it was at. Uh, obviously, they, they've had better, better, it can do better, but um, I think. You had two stories here. You have the dominance of Zack Sabre, and you have Abushi trying to get his footing back. Um, and so that's what we saw here. And, and you know, points where Sabre was kind of eating this man up, but um, but Abushi, knowing that Sabre loves to um, kind of live up to trying to be a striker and living up to the pride, and Abushi would sucker Sabre into uh, strike exchanges, and then Abushi would you know also get the better. He's the better striker and knock Sabre down and get the better from there. But uh, towards the end of the match, uh, Sabre got Abushi wrapped up in the Clarky Clarky Cat Bad Balloon remix. Uh, him and his uh, funky submission names got Abushi tapped, uh, tied up, and Abushi had to verbally submit. So Sabre has been on a roll. Submitted Naito, submitted Abu- uh, Shingo, and now here submitted Abushi. Three big submission wins that puts Sabre at six. Abushi is at four points. Um, Great, great main event here, and Zach is on an awesome streak here. Then we have uh, some questions here from Reddit user uh, Raising Falcons. He says, now that Buff Sabre Jr. has beaten all the top guys in the A block, do you see him winning the block? And if he won against who, if he if he won, who would you put him against in the finals? Hmm. What do you guys think? I mean, we've seen... Zach and Sonata go plenty of times. And if Sonata gets it to the finals again and doesn't win the G1, I don't know what they're going to do with him. <laughs> the only person I could see that would probably be the match everyone would want to see the most would be him against Okada. I don't think Zack Sabre Jr. versus Evil is a match that people are going to want to see on the final night of the G1. I don't <sighs> I don't want to see him rip Tanahashi's shoulders out again after Madison <laughs> Garden. My yeah. friends and I, we were we were walking from the venue, and we he walked right past us, and he looked like in like he was in so much pain, and I'm like, I can't, I can't see that again. 
So literally, based on the blocks that, that are there, I think Okada would be the biggest ticket final against Sabre. Well, I know that I didn't get to do the, uh, you know, the preview for the finals uh, a few weeks back like you and uh, Samsa did. But, you know, if you look at the blocks, it seems to me there's a high likelihood that the top two finalists of A block are going to be Jeff Cobb and Okada. And they're facing each other on the final night. So that seems to be like a foregone conclusion. But on the B block night, I think it's kind of similar to what B block looked like last year, where you have a lot of individual matches that will eventually decide the final. Yeah. So, so you're probably going to have two or three people in the running going into the final night. But um, I mean, Zach's already, I mean, Zach beat Kota Ibushi, you know, he beat <laughs> Shingo Takagi, and then he beat um, Naito, and Naito's out of the tournament. I mean, that's three of the favorites back to back to back. Um, the only other person I could see maybe defeating him and then winning a tiebreaker is possibly Kenta from the block. But, um, you know, if he's the finalist, I don't see him and Jeff Cobb facing off of the finals just because as progressive as New Japan's become, they've just never, ever, ever done an all-gaijin G1 final. I couldn't imagine right. them doing that. No. So it probably would end up being him and Okada. That's the only thing I could see in the final as being like a realistic possibility. Um, the other possibility is that one of these guys he defeated somehow beats him in the point totals by a point or two at the end, like an Ibushi or like a... Well, probably Ibushi. Ibushi would have to be the guy, I would assume, right? I think so, yeah. I don't think Shingo's going to win it as champion, so if somebody's going to come back from behind, it would be Ibushi. And I agree with you. I think the Sabre-Okada match makes the most sense, especially with the stories you're telling. You have Sabre kind of rising, and you know, once again, it's almost a repeat of the 2018 New Japan Cup. He's beating all these people um, and getting a huge push, and then Okada is the return of the Rainmaker He's going back to the old form, which we know is one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. So I think it makes total sense for Okada to win his block, and then you do Okada Saber in the final. I think it's a they haven't had that match in a while. I think it's a big match, a big finals. I think that could draw, and I think it'd be one heck of a matchup. Oh, speaking of which, last um, you know there is the possibility Shingo does make it to the finals. I don't think he would win the G One, but there is a precedent for the champion to make it to the finals and then lose it, especially with the three nights of wrestle kingdom. You just never know. But, uh, that came up on last week's show and I did some research and actually found the answer of how many times that that has ever happened. So in 1995, um, and these were all IWGP champions. Kijimuto won the G1 in 1999. Kijimuto was the champion and he lost in the finals in 2000. Kensuke Sasaki won as the champion in 05, Fujita lost in the finals as the champion. And then in 07, Yuji Nagata was the champion, and he lost in the finals. So it's been a while, but it's happened. And then prior to that, before the G1 existed, but during the Grand Prix, Inoki did it four times as NWF champion in 74, 78, 79, and 80, and he won all of those. So, Of course he did. <laughs> yes, he did, and, and he won a bunch of IWGPs. Like he, he's like an eight or nine time like tournament champion. Not, not including what he did prior to New Japan existing back in JWA. 
Uh, next question here from Rambo and Slam Pigs says, congratulations on 200 episodes. Did ZSJ discover some new vegan pre-workout or what? He's looking a lot more Jack lately. Do you think the new look coincides with an imminent singles push? If so, what hmm. happens to the tag titles with Tai Chi? You know, I hadn't thought of that, but if you think about it, we've been commenting on like his like increased physique and like, what if this, what if they came to this man? And they're like, all right, you get in the big push kid. And he's like, all right, well, I better switch to some like pea protein, you know? <laughs> <laughs> I better, you know, drink my milk, say, eat my vitamins, brother. Say my prayers. Yeah. Even though he's atheist, say my prayers. <laughs> well, he's also he, vegan, so he can't drink milk. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, oat milk. Okay. I don't. I don't know what I don't know vegans actually. Okay. Yeah, any any thoughts on uh, Zach's uh, beefy boy look? I. I mean, if he gets too beefy, then he can't be like the the you know udon noodle man. But it's one of those things where if it, if they're going to genuinely give him a singles push, that's great. But I I'm hoping that whatever bulking and cutting he's doing is done in a healthy manner, and not just because. They're like, well, Jay and Osprey can't get in here, so you need to change all of this soon, because that's not fair to him. You, you but mean I think you, don't, if, you don't want him to be on the gas, brother? No. <laughs> I, I want that. I want Zachary to be healthy and happy, and you know, enjoy his vegan eats all around Tokyo because they have some really good restaurants. Yeah, I, um, wonder, I wonder. I wonder if vegans like, are allowed to do steroids. Like, if that violates veganism or not, I don't know. Well, I don't know. I, I don't know I, the rules. I don't. I don't know what the, the the contents of steroids are, so I cannot tell you whether or not they are vegan. I'm gonna Google that tonight. <laughs> <laughs> um, but if they're gonna give him a singles push, because they're going shortly after all of this, like in November, is World Tag League, right? So, I mean. They they have to drop the tag titles at some point, unless they're going to drop them before the tag league. Yeah, it, it's it. Yeah, having tag league. Um, well, also guess tag league is in the normal spot in the year, but yes, say you're being a tag champ, that definitely kind of muddies some things up. But you also have the three nights of Wrestle Kingdom, and we don't know when Saber's going to get his title shot. We know that uh, our Power Struggle show is probably happening. Um towards the end of the year and we don't know what the fall offense could be i mean they could hold off on the, the saber title match for one of those dome nights we, we have no idea what they're going to do um but yeah I, I do think we could be more of a line for a saber, saber singles push in the future and maybe yeah maybe that's the reason why he decided to bulk up i don't think he's on the gas i think he's probably been healthfully doing it and working out more and maybe you know doing the more more protein pea protein or whatever it is but um yeah yeah if you think about the options too, I mean, you know, it's not like there isn't precedent for the the tag champions to be out of the uh, tag league if need be. There are times where that's happened, um, you know, and then at the same time, it's like, like you kind of mentioned, Jeremy, like with multiple Wrestle Kingdom nights, I mean, who knows when, when, where, what, how that's going to happen and everything. There's also been times in the past where the IWGP champion was also a tag champion, mm. it, you know? So like, what if hypothetically, like just like, let's say in a crazy world, for some reason he wins the IWGP world championship. Right. And then maybe he has to defend the belt in some sort of weird preview match at new year's dash and then drops the belts there 
as a precursor to whatever, you know, whatever match might happen on the, the next fake Wrestle Kingdom night that's coming up. <laughs> so, I mean, there, there are options out there. Yeah, there's, there's a ton of different scenarios that they could uh, go with. And that's even provided if he even makes it to the finals, if he even wins the tournament. Right. Which I, I, I'm putting all my money on Okada right now, so. Yeah. But yeah, I'm digging the look. Uh, you know, a lot of people, I think that's always been a big complaint about Sabre was how he was so skinny and how it wasn't believable that he was, you know, competing against guys bigger than him. So, yeah, I think it looks great right now. He's still Udon Noodle Boy. He's just a little al dente. That's all. <laughs> he's, a ro- he's a robust Noodle Boy. Yeah. Um, Soba Noodle. <laughs> Soba, no, Soba's thinner. What's the thick one? Udon. Udon's Udon. the thick one. Oh, okay. Udon. Then the uh, last question here from Hawaiian Punch BV is ZSJ destined to start the G1 strong and then lose every match in the second half. Maybe. I mean, that that is sometimes a, a, a booking trope of, of Gato. Maybe not necessarily the whole half, but, you know, two or three matches that end up costing him the, the bid for the finals. But um, it, it's going to be a tough one for, for that to really play out this year just because – he beat like the top guys <laughs> in the block already. And um, I don't know, like they really, really pushed him strong this time. So I don't know. Yeah. I feel like he's going to eat some losses somewhere. I feel like he's going to be overly confident and cocky and he's going to slip up and I don't know, maybe lose to a Ujuro or, or Tangelo or somebody like that, that you're not expecting for him to, to, to lose to maybe even a Yano. Um, to get a win over him. And I think his confidence is going to kind of get the better of him. And then he has to pick back up towards the end. I, I did see somebody, um, I won't name names, but I saw someone online kind of mention how in the feud with Abushi, that's always been Zack Sabre's like undoing is the fact that he come, he'll, he'll get goaded out of wrestling his style and going to a strike exchange with Abushi, as if that's the only person he's ever done that with, as if, you and I haven't been on this podcast for four years now talking about how he does that in like almost every big strikers match, whether it's Walter, whether it's Ishii, whether it's, you know, right. uh, Abushi, Suzuki, it doesn't really matter who it is. Like that's kind of like one of the biggest tropes of his, uh, <laughs> of his wrestling style. Yeah. And that's what you get. Like we mentioned with that, that Chingo matches too. Like he, he kind of, in the Bushi match, like he tries to, he, he gets goaded into being a striker. He, his pride on the line. Like, all right, I'll, I'll go toe toe with you. And ends up always backfiring. Well, and that's going to wrap up our review of these three nights here. Um, so our block standings going into uh, the next show, we have the A block with the points and totals reflecting the forfeit wins from Naito being out of the tournament. So great Ocon on top of the block, eight points, four and oh. Zack Sabre Jr., six points, three and oh. Toriano, six points, three and one. Kenta six points three and one. Shingo Takagi four points two and one. Yujiro Takahashi four points two and two. Kota Ibushi four points two and two. Tangaloa two points one and two. Tomohiro Ishii two points one and three. And then Tetsuya Naito zero points zero oh, and nine out of the tournament with the knee injury. Then the B block we have Jeff Cobb four points two and zero. Oh. Also Taichi four points two and zero. Oh. Okada four points two and zero. Oh. Then Evil Tanahashi. Um, with two points, one on one. Sonata also has two points, one on one. Tamatanga, two points, one on one. At the bottom of the block, Yoshihashi, Hiroki Goto, 
and Chase Owens are all 0-2 with zero points. Then we'll look up the schedule for the next uh, few nights before our next episode uh, next week and kind of do some quick predictions here. Well, we got five nights here. Um, so G1 Climax 31 Night 6, uh, that's coming up. Um, is that today? That, no, that's yeah. basically... There's a mat, there's a 5 a.m. 5:30 start this morning. Gotcha. Okay, so we've got um, Okada versus Yoshihashi. Where we uh, what what are we feeling on that one? I'm I'm going Okada. You know I'm I'm gonna try to be ahead here and, <laughs> and pull the upset special. I'm going with Yoshihashi. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Yoshi, Yoshihashi's earned this win over the last year. He needs it. After that, we got Tanahashi and Tamatanga. I'm leaning towards uh, the ace. Yeah, I'm going with the ace. Same. Uh, Goto and Jeff Cobb. Unfortunately, I think uh, Goto's taking a tour of the islands. Yeah, Goto's a geek. <laughs> Y'all are so mean. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't think I don't think this is going to be Goto's upset win of the tournament. So it's probably going to go to Jeff. In the semi-main event spot, and it's kind of interesting. It's actually, it's actually the, the second match. This is the, oh, am I reading this backwards? Yeah, it's a it's reverse order. Bro, every week. Sonata versus uh, Chase. You know, I was going to say, I was like, Sonata's in a lot of uh, semi-main events. Weird they took that loss to Taichi. <laughs> uh, Sonata's wrestling Chase Owens in the second match of the night. Uh, I guess I'm going Sonata. Yeah, Sonata. I have a hard time seeing Chase getting the win here. The heart wants what the heart wants. It's gonna. It Sonata needs the win. <laughs> and then uh, the opener of the evening, Tai Chi versus Evil. And unfortunately, I think Evil's probably gonna pick up the win on this one. Uh, yeah, Tai Chi's undefeated right now. You, you gotta think Evil's gonna be alive going into the final night. So yeah, he probably needs a win here. So yeah, Evil being Tai Chi. Yeah. I don't. I don't see Taichi bringing anyone to even the numbers. I don't think Abe Miho is going to be able to outmaneuver <laughs> Dick Togo. <laughs> okay. Uh, after that, night seven. This is Thursday, September thirtieth. We're opening up the evening with Bushi and Yujiro Takahashi, the replacement match for Naito's injury. I think we're all in agreement that uh, Bushi is going to pull an upset here and you know, embarrass the skeek. <laughs> nah, man. Bushi's going to get hit with the big juice. Get, get put down. Um, next match of the night, we have Stone Pitbull versus Tangaloa. Uh, what are we thinking on that one, guys? Um, I'm going to go with Ishii. He hasn't. He only has one win so far. I don't know. I would love to see Tangaloa get the win on this one. He's probably not going to win, but I want him to win, so I'm going to go with him. I, I think it's Ishii, but that this is a 50-50, and that's kind of a weird statement because, like, you know. I wish there t- were more draws in the G1 because there's not usually time limit draws, and I don't I, – I think that this match of done right could go to one. And well, it would be interesting. Double count out. <laughs> <laughs> um, after that, uh, Zack Sabre Jr. is taking on Great Okan, a battle of undefeateds. And, uh, you know, this is one where I think – Zach could lose, but I hope he doesn't. Yeah, I I think I'm gonna go with Zach getting the win here, and then that would put him at 
eight point. Him and Ocon will be tied at eight points at the top of the block. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you there, although I don't really know if that's what's going to happen. But um, I would love for Zach to just be at the top of the block and have all the tiebreakers, you know? Yeah. I don't know. I think I think they might, to even it out a bit, they might give Ocarn this one. Maybe. Hmm. But, Why do you but, keep calling him Ocarn? It's... <sighs> You call by his. That's his. That's his. It's his rev name. pro name, and I can't. I can't get that R out of there. Like it, I try. I know it's Ocon, but the, the R. Like I'm from the South. The R just comes. The draw comes in every now and then. I can't help it. But the, um, only, the only thing though, if Ocon wins, that puts him at ten points, five and zero. Oh. Yeah, it puts him in like a really tough position. I mean, who's gonna who's gonna beat him at that point? Well, then I, guess you know? he, I guess he would have to like drop his next four. I guess. Pretty much, That's yeah. That's when Goto gets his... Wait, no, Goto's already <laughs> lost him, hasn't he? No, he hasn't faced Goto I don't yet. think he's fought Goto yet. <laughs> yeah. You know, and Goto beat John Moxley last year. Or was that last year or the year before? 2019. Two years ago. Oh, man. Yeah, so, I mean, he's been an upsetter before. Yeah. Um, after that, we've got Kota Ibushi and Toriano. And Yano's beat Ibushi in the G1 before. What do you think, Karen? <laughs> I mean... I, I hope it doesn't go for 10 minutes. <laughs> That's not what we're asking. I know. <laughs> I'd like to think Ibushi can eke out a win on this one. Yeah. In I, roughly I, 10 minutes or I think, less. I think Ibushi will uh, go through the depths of hell to uh, gut one out against uh, you know Toriano. I feel like... Like Yano would have to like tape him, handcuff him, throw him into the ring apron, wrap him around, and like put him outside of the ring gate, and then like lock the gate so he can't get back in, <laughs> and like pile young lions on him, and maybe a table. Yeah, I'm also going with Abushi gets a win and get get up to six points. I think that's the, the right call there. Uh, main event: We got Shingo Takagi versus Kenta. Feels like just yesterday, the last time these two guys wrestled each other, and um. I remember that match being very interesting for a variety of reasons. So kind of wondering how this one plays out. I part of me feels like Kenta needs to be in play at the end, but Shingo's already kind of eaten a big loss. And it'd be weird for him as the world champion to take big back-to-back losses like that. So but would you rather him lose to someone far more <laughs> devastating? Oh, I'm like not a Yo- even... like a Yoshi. Was Yoshihashi in that block? No, no, no. I'm right. not even talking about as like a, my personal preferences. I'm just talking about. I'm trying to get in the mind of Gato. Like, what are they going to do here? And I'm. Well, I mean, they're not going to like serve him up to Yujiro. No, but he's got some names still on the docket here. I, I would just be. I would be really surprised to, Shing- to see Shingo lose in back-to-back tournament matches. Draw. Uh, I, I think Shingo's beating Kenta here. Could yeah. could do. Yeah, I mean they have been teasing the draw uh, several nights now, so they, <laughs> they could do a draw. But I don't know. I, I'm leaning towards Shingo winning as well because right now he's sitting at four points. Right now he's a champ. I feel like he needs to uh, you know get six points and he'd be tied up with Yano and Kenta um, and Saber if he loses. So I think he needs to be on top of the get that get that win, get closer to the top of the block. Hmm. So then um, the next night, October 1st, this is going to be Friday morning, we have um, Kenamaru taking on Oiwa in opening action. After that, we've got B-Block with Jeff Cobb taking on Tamatanga. Uh, I, 
Hmm. I'm gonna I'm gonna call upset alert here. I'm gonna go. I'm, going... I'm thinking upset too. <laughs> Great minds think alike. I mean, because Cobb's got to lose somewhere, right? Right. Correct. And um, I'm like, it, I don't think it's gonna be Tai Chi. Like, I don't know. You I, say that, but I got this weird feeling that like it could be Tamatonga. Dude, he's gonna bust out a gun stun off a tour of the islands. That's what. Yeah, like I have this weird feeling he could do that. Yeah, because. <laughs> Because he's, he's, he's holding him this way. All he needs to do is loop his arms around. Yeah. Yeah, people would lose their crap, bro. Like, I'm calling it right now. I, me too. I'm calling Tamatonga. And I, even before you said it, I like already had that feeling. We're going to look like idiots next week. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to be here. <laughs> Where are you going with, Karen? I'm going to go with Tom as well. Oh, I, my I, God. I, I, want him, I, want, I want him to stage an upset. <laughs> I love Jeffrey. He knows I love him, but... I need it to be interesting. I need, I need I need there to be conflict and struggle for everybody. Two, Not just two, Yoshihashi. Two guys that have done drops for the podcast in the past. So, you know, it's a battle of keeping a strong style alumni. Um, <laughs> Evil versus Chase Owens follows that match. And I'm guessing Evil wins there. Yeah, go with Evil. I don't know. You think you Chase think- Chase Owens is going to beat former double double champion Evil? I mean, it it would depend if somebody comes in to help him. I'm be surprised if Chase Owens wins anything this year. You think? I mean, he might win one or maybe one at the end. I don't know. Yeah, it's good. I mean, it's I mean, I would like Evil to win, but I don't know if this match is going to be like all the other Bullet Club matches that have had like Honor Among Thieves sort of lawful evil fighting it's going to be it's this one might be a bit dirty and gritty i, I think chase is going to try and wrestle clean and then evil's also going to evil and dick togo's going to dick togo <laughs> <Evil's gonna evil. laughs> yeah after that um so i mean we're going evil you're going chase owens i don't know i just i feel like evil can't be winning every single match so hey we're not going to judge you you know if you want to be wrong you'd be wrong <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> after that, we got Yoshihashi versus Tai Chi, uh, a battle of most improved. Uh, I'm gonna go with Tai Chi in the dangerous back suplex. Yoshihashi. I'm gonna go Yoshihashi. This might be one of the matches where he can upset upset the the final outcome. I think. Yeah, who knows? I'm I'm going. I'm gonna just take him. Whatever. Um, semi main event, we got Okada versus Goto. Hmm. Man, Okada, he's been he's been on a run, but Goto's also been losing a lot. I think Goto's gonna. I think Goto's gonna sneak one out. I am wondering if Goto could beat Okada here. I just want Go, uh, Okada to get be- beaten by all the members of Chaos because he just <laughs> doesn't he doesn't seem to care anymore about anybody but himself. So they'd be like, mm, by the way, yeah, yeah. I'll- why do you why why do you feel that way? <laughs> So when show and turned on you, the literally the next week, like they, they have the New Japan TV variety show that they did. They uh-huh. shot the episode literally the week before, and it got released immediately after. And Okada's like, "Yeah, this was a good time for everybody. Um, sorry, it has a really weird vibe now." And that was like all he said on the whole entire thing. 
he, he's been with them their entire career and he had literally nothing to say about the third betrayal on his watch with the two people in chaos he spends the most time with. I just feel like Okada's like not even paying attention to anything else that happened on the show. He's like, so ambivalent about everything. That's the problem. He's like, not he, the house. He's that guy with like the the dog meme with the with the coffee cup and like the house is on fire. He's like, this is fine. Yeah, he, he's like, like he's, it's not fine, bro. He's in the chaos bus. He's looking around. He's like, where's show at? Like, like, bro, did you not just see what happened? Like, what? Like, what happened? <laughs> like, poor Goto like went to bed and then woke up and realized what happened. But he's at like, least he's he. Like, he 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 has like accountability. He's like, I'm going to bed at like you know, four o'clock in the afternoon because that's what I do. He's like, where's William? <laughs> guy, oh, about that, guy, that. That guy left a year ago. What are you talking about? Like, All right. Well, what about Jay? Jay's gone too. All right. Just saying. Well, does Yujiro want to come play cards or? <laughs> <laughs> You know, I haven't seen Nakamura in a hot minute. How, how long has this uh, guy been off? What's what, 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 Rocky's what's not Na- here? <laughs> I thought it was. What, just... What's Naito doing? <laughs> what? Oh, the deep cut. <laughs> <laughs> Where's Kozlov? <laughs> Trent and Chuck. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Where's Chucky? <laughs> I've been wanting to go fishing with those guys. I haven't seen them around. <laughs> They're like, dude, do you even watch the show anymore? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I just feel like they just need to be like, you know what? It's time. I'm gonna go with Okada, but I wouldn't be surprised if Goto beat him. To be honest, I'm going. I'm going with Goto. One uh, one yeah. night, the G and G one will be for Goto. A lot of upsets for one night. I don't know. <laughs> Goto then, five uh, ten. The main event we got Tanahashi versus Sonata. I think I'm gonna go Sonata on that one. Yep, I don't uh, want to, but like Tanahashi beat him last year. So not, you know, Sonata has kind of been like, you know, just kind of out there, not really doing much. I could see him being a potential challenger for the U.S. title if I look at the lineup of the B Block. I see him beating him. That could Agreed. happen, but I'm gonna ride with the ace. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go, Tanahashi. <laughs> Uh, okay, so October 3rd, this is Sunday morning. We've got Kenamaro versus Fujita opening action. Um, after that, we've got Bushi versus Toriano. Um, so that should be a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. Um, a block action Kenta versus Great Okan. And uh, I think this, uh, this beast Kenta is going to kick a hole in Great Okan's head, is what I think is going to happen. Yeah, I'm going. I'd be okay with that. Yeah, I'm going with Kenta also. All right, so it looks like we're all in agreement. After that, we got Tengaloa versus Yujiro Takahashi. Hmm. I think I'm going Tengaloa. Okay. Tango- my, my heart says Tengaloa. My mind says Yujiro. Same. I think I'm going Yujiro. Oh, what? With a big you know what? juice? Tangaloa is gonna hit with ape shit. Let's, let's yeah. Let's, I don't know if Big Juice is gonna make it make an appearance on this one. <laughs> yeah, and going with the silverback Tangaloa. I'll, I'll ride with you. Let's go Tangaloa. I don't care. <laughs> um, semi main event. We got Tomohiro Ishii versus Zack Saber Jr. One of my favorite matchups in New Japan. Uh, it's been a while since we've seen them, and um, 
that's one that Tomohiro Ishii could easily win. And I'm calling the upset there. Ishii beats Zack Sabre Jr. Agreed. Yeah, Ishii needs, you know, a dog needs a bone. Stone Pitbull needs a bone. Throw, throw, <laughs> throw my dog Ishii a bone. He needs to you throw be- him a noodle man. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be the first uh, chink in Zack's armor in this tournament. So, yeah. yeah, I'm going Ishii. Main event time, we got Shingo Takagi versus Kota Ibushi. Here's the thing. I think if Ibushi loses this there's a good chance with four losses he's done in the tournament yep so that's the other reason why i i kind of picked shingo to lose to kenta because i think he has to lose to abushi to keep the tournament interesting so i think this one's um gotta be kodabushi in my opinion yeah i'm also going with abushi here because i think he's easily a guy you want to get him back in the title mix and getting a win over shingo's could be a way to do it and what a way to do it. Yeah, I mean, all the emotion and everything that's going to be wrapped up in that match, I'm pretty sure it's going to be a big moment. Yeah. See, the only, the only downside to that is that, you know, they were supposed to have that match at the stadium shows, so it kind of sucked that this is probably where they're going to have to rectify that particular thread in the story. Again, since they don't like to do draws in the G1, I will also go with Kota Ibushi. Probably gonna be more people in this building than there was in those stadiums, though. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> oh man. Uh, and then finally, Monday, October fourth, we've got B Block action as Hiroshi Tanahashi faces Chase Owen. See, I think Tanahashi is gonna be bouncing back from a loss, and that's and he's opening it up against Chase, and he's gonna get the big win back. It makes sense to me. I I, I feel more resolute in the idea that he's losing the Sonata now. Either way, I'm going ace. Back to back. Go ace. <laughs> Jeremy, none of these picks like align with your brackets at all. Like you Bro You got you got Tanahashi going to the finals right now. Bro, in my bracket, like like Taylor said, I'm throwing my bracket in the bin with in Naito's bin. knees. I I'm lighting my bracket on fire. All right, so then uh second match in the night, Evil versus Tamatonga. And uh, I think Evil We'll probably beat Tamatonga here. Yeah, I'm going with Evil. I think he's going to cheat to beat Tama. Tama's not going to be happy about it, and we're going to see some uh, little riff going. You know, I kind of forget. There's a could could Evil win this block? There, I mean, that could be the story that they're telling. I mean, him I, and Sonata are the main event on the last night. Well, the match order will be determined by the points. But yeah, yeah, Karen. Yeah, <laughs> you, you just don't want to believe it's possible. Well, I, like, I, evil, no, it... no, because last year they were the they were the finals and Sonata beat them, and so if they're the finals again, like that, my stomach will drop. I'll feel so. <laughs> I, I do think both of them will be alive going into the last night, but Evil will beat Sonata this time and stop Sonata from going to the finals. But I don't, but I don't think he'll have enough points to get to the final. I think the tiebreaker will stop Evil from going through. I think this might be the match also where Tama is more okay with Jado getting involved just because he knows that Dick Togo will be there. The well, question you know, is, will anybody else get involved? Right. That's, that's a great point you bring up there. I mean, the storyline element, this might be probably the most, like uh, one of the more telling bullet club versus bullet club matches in the whole tournament, you know, as far as like uh, progressing that storyline. So, Especially if Tama keeps playing it the way he is, where he's doing most of the work by himself and trying to keep Giotto out of it and trying to actually win clean 
as clean as he can. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, after that, we got Tai Chi versus Jeff Cobb. And I think because I already had Jeff Cobb eat a pinfall loss to Tamatonga, he's kind of got to beat Tai Chi here. Yeah, I'm also going to go with Cobb. 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 Semi main event Goto versus Yoshihashi. Tag team partners, brothers in chaos arms. Um, I mean, it's probably Goto, right? Nah, I'm going with Yoshihashi on this <laughs> I'm, one. I'm going with Goto. Goto beat him last year in the G1. Yoshihashi wants to respect. He wants respect on his name. He's going to beat the geek. Yoshihashi's okay. only getting to beat Goto if he also gets to beat Okada. Just saying. <laughs> He's not beating Goto. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you say that now. That man gets hit with a karma. All right, and then uh, we have the feud that will never end: Kazushika Okada versus Sonata in the main event. Uh, if there, if there ever was a match that could go the time limit, this is the one. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> um, and you know, this is a winnable match for Sonata. Um, I can't. I mean, I don't know. What are you guys thinking? I think. Did we say Goto was going to beat Okada? Yes. Yes. All of us said that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I think. I think um, Okada's got to beat Sonata here, probably. But I mean, Sonata's beaten him in the G one before. You know, they got the long story rivalry. If you want to keep things interesting, Sonata wouldn't be a bad guy to have beat him. I. I don't know. I feel like that's playing too much with fire. I think Okada needs that tiebreaker. Yeah, I'm leaning going towards Okada as well. 29 minutes and 48 seconds, Okada wins. It's, it's gonna get down to like it's gonna literally, as they always do, get down to that last like 30 seconds of the entire match. Uh, I don't know. My heart says Sonata, but my head says Okada. Also, when that ends an, in DA is what I'm going with. That's another reason why I think Sonata's gonna beat Tanahashi. Think about it. He picks up the big win against Tanahashi, comes home with momentum against Okada. I mean, it writes itself. Jeremy, do you want to change your uh, your pick at any time? Because, I mean, I feel like we're laying out a pretty compelling argument here. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, I, I guess we're all picking Okada. So that's going to do it for uh, G1 coverage for this week. Yep, and then we'll kind of run through some of the other items that we have here. So we had uh, Fighting Spirit Unleash uh, Night 2 this past weekend on New Japan Strong. Uh, show opened up with Yuji Nagata and Yuji Omura defeating Kevin Knight and the DKC nine minutes in twenty seven seconds. Uh, good opener here. Uh, good to see Yumura uh, kind of mixing it up with the LA Dojo Young Lions. Uh, this one was some good stuff there. Um, second match we had Switchblade Jay White defeating Wheeler Utah. A really good match. Wheeler Utah is a really good uh, technical wrestler and just had a really good match up with uh, Jay White. Uh, we had a post-match angle where Ishii comes out looking for his uh, never-title match, and Jay uh, refusing to uh, challenge Ishii and ends up leaving Ishii laying in the middle of the ring. So it seems like they're they're building for never-title match, probably for Battle in the Valley. And we had a question from Steven Marteca. He said, congrats on 200. Since Alex is siding with Bull Club and Bateman, and the Bateman team, did Alex lose his chaos card? Yeah, he lost that like a long time ago. Oh, Kozlov, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And then the main event of the evening was our boy, Ren Narita, 
defeating Fred Rosser 15 minutes and 11 seconds. Karen, I know you were live in the building Ooh, for this main match, event. Bren what do you think about this match? Through. It was, honestly, the, the tapings for Strong at Fighting Spirit Unleashed, by and large, there wasn't a bad match. Everything was good. Everything was interesting. I feel like they really packed the card of the talent. I would also say that Jay White versus Wheeler Utah was amazing. Yeah, it, it was really, really good. Um, I loved Narita and Rosser. They were striking the crap out of each other. It was hard-hitting, very well-wrestled. And then you kind of have that kind of, you know, kind of kind of screwy finish. Not really, I mean, um, Rosser kind of kicked out when uh, uh, Narita had him rolled up. But referee countered to three, leaves the door open for a rematch. And I, I'd be down for that. Nice. Uh, well, next week we have New Japan Strong Fighting Spirit Unleashed, Saturday, October second, eight p.m. Uh, the match, the night will open up with Fred uh, Yehai versus Jared Kratos. Uh, second match of the night, Chris Dickinson versus Royce Isaacs, Battle of Training Partners, and then the main event, the NJPW Strong Openweight Championship Title Match, as the champion Tom Waller defends his belt against the challenger Leo Rush. Um, there's also some other news as John Moxley and Kinks and Eddie Kingston will be facing Minoru Suzuki and Lance Archer on Sunday, October 17th at the 2300 Arena in a rematch from their Lights Out match on this week's AEW Rampage Grand Slam show. Yeah, that should be a fun rematch and a lot of great stuff planned for Philadelphia on night one. Jay White versus Freddie A. Hyde, Juice Robinson versus ELP, Suzuki First, Dirty Daddy Chris Dickinson. And then on night two, like Josh mentioned, a street fight will happen between Mox and Kingston against Suzuki Goon. Then we'll also have a uh, big multi-man with Fred Rosser, Carl Fredericks, Rocky Romero, Ren Narita, and the DKC versus Team Filthy. Then Jonathan Gresham will be making his strong debut against Alex Coughlin. And Will Ospreay will be taking on Hot Sauce, the man with the sauce, Alex Zane. So that should be a fun, high-flying matchup. Um, um. Alex Zane will be doing high flying. Will's just going to be, you know, hit him blade. Yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't high fly that much anymore. You know, it's it's not going to be like a super junior match, but um, it should be good regardless. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how they match up with one another. Uh, we've got an interesting question here from um, Zach Porter, and he asked us, "Can we get Karens and your thoughts on Bill's newest addition to United Empire?" So this is uh, kind of a spoiler. If you um, don't want to hear our thoughts or be spoiled on this, you might want to fast forward a minute or so. Um, now that we got that out of the way, it uh, looks like TJP has joined the United Empire. Karen, your thoughts? I had three different picks for who it was going to be, and none of them were TJP. <laughs> My options were Robbie Eagles, Yo, or Gabe Kidd. So I, I don't know what to do with the what the decision was. Yeah, I, as stupid is as stupid does. What <laughs> I would say as far as like this whole thing. Yeah, I figured from the resurgence angle that it was kind of a swerve when TJP came out there that they were going to set up TJP join the United Empire. And then as soon as I saw the mystery guy. You have been calling that. Yeah, and then the mystery guy was like, I think it's going to be TJP. I mean, like you said, you know, birds of a feather flock together. Um, so, you know, TJP, hey, he's, he's a good wrestler. Uh, probably 
the smartest individual as far as what he posts two on, on, two online. Of, two of the greatest wrestlers who are dumb as rocks <laughs> that are just, you know. Uh, so it makes all the sense in the world. Yeah, but I, I think I can see why they picked TJP. I mean, he's a guy that came from the original dojo. He's a guy that's been in Japan recently with the, the Super Junior Tag League Tour in, in 2019. I can see him coming over to Japan um, once things are clear and you know aligning with Osprey and all these guys. Um, Rambo and Slim Pig asked, he said, show goes to Bullet Club, so United Empire gets the next big, best thing, TJP. Are they assembling the all-star Twitter team over there? Who else would fit in United Empire if the criteria is worst wrestling Twitter personalities? Um, oh, man. <laughs> I mean, uh, A-double would probably be like the next person. Oh, yeah, Austin Aries. There. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> if they brought in Austin Aries, that would like make things, you know, throw Tessa Blanchard in there too, and they got a, they got quite the squad, you know? <laughs> make sure you have Flip Gordon in there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god the, the six the six horsemen Jeff Cobb does not deserve this <laughs> somewhere else Je- Jeff Cobb's gonna step on that bus and be like things are kind of different in here <laughs> I'm gonna go ride with chaos because maybe Okada won't notice I'm there because he didn't pay attention uh, he's gonna join Suzuki Goon Ichiban <laughs> I'd be alright with that I think that I think that's it. That's enough for that question. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the Dark Soldier asked, should Ishimori and Phantasma have kept the junior tag belts? I feel like something interesting could have been done with those belts in the U.S. Being defended on Strong and maybe even other shows, perhaps on Dynamite against teams like Hybrid 2 and Silver and Reynolds. What do you guys think? Uh, I mean, yeah, it would have been cool for them to bring the belts over, but now that I think about it, there's not really a lot of like a strong, established junior tag teams on New Japan Strong. I mean, they do have a bunch of juniors, but not like an established a bunch it, of guys. It, it would have been the same thing as when God was just running through all those, you know, mishmash teams that were just kind of thrown together when they were doing their stuff on Strong as well. Yeah, I mean, they they could do indies, but uh, probably not that worth it to defend a belt on indies. So. I think Unless you want to like bring like the machine guns in or something like that, there's. I mean, I don't know what you do. I would have loved to have seen the Motor City machine guns again. The other thing is that the junior tag belt is tied into the for some reason is tied into Desperado's match with Robbie Eagles. That was what he decided to bet to you know lure Robbie into you know committing to the match with him instead of you know the juniors that don't have a tag team partner anymore, but okay. Um, I honestly, I'm fine with it with the belt staying in Japan at this point, because again, there aren't too many established tag teams in or junior tag teams in new Japan strong. And I don't know if just throwing them onto a tour because the people who have previously had them are on the tour it also makes any other bookings that they do here, like on on GCW and stuff like that, be like, well, the, uh, they're automatically going to win because they're not gonna have like they're not gonna have somebody else just pin them for the sake of pinning them. You know what I mean? Right. You're, you're not gonna you weren't gonna have Ishimori as as ch- champion lose to Devin. Yeah. Well, that's going to do it for uh, that portion of U.S. coverage. Let's move into news real quick. Uh, so great news here. This is probably some of the best news we've gotten all year. 
Japan is ending its state of emergency measures on Thursday amid a fall of the number of new daily coronavirus cases and a vaccine rollout that has reached nearly 60% of the population. Hoping that this move helps to revive the country's economy, it will be the first time since April 4th that no part of Japan is under a state of emergency. That is awesome. And hopefully that leads to um, capacity raises in, in buildings and get some more people in and hopefully we can get rid of the clap crowds and allow people to actually uh, cheer and boo for these shows. I just uh, hope that they keep gargling and wearing masks because... Wait, gargling? Yeah, you you gargle to keep the germs out of your throat and stuff like that. No, I've never heard of that. Wait, wait what? what would be, yeah, they're, they're, that, they're, that helps they, with they, corona? Well, it, it's an antiseptic, so it kills whatever germs are in your throat. Oh, I've never heard of that. Yeah, me like when you gargle with salt water when you're sick, same thing. Huh. Okay. So, but it's also the thing that you know, if even though the restrictions are getting like released, there's still the you know, there's a very heavy anti-vaccine sentiment in Japan as well. So, right. people need to be careful about it. Yeah, it's great to fill the building, but the last thing they're gonna want is an outbreak at a show. They don't want a super spreader. Right. Well. The main thing too is, you know, I don't know how how much Delta has like infiltrated them, but like we kind of rather high. Okay, because I was gonna say we had the same thing happen here. You know, numbers went up as far as like vaccines, numbers went down because of that, and then Delta hit, and then you know, it all went out the window. Now we're all have to get boosters. So yeah, Um, homicide helped Eddie Kingston, John Moxley to win over Suzuki Goon this past week on um, Rampage. And we had a question. Uh, Kapaka asked Suzuki Goon dot 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 Ichiban question mark. Of course, Suzuki Goon Ichiban. I'm not trying to get any smoke with Minoru Suzuki. He's Ichiban. That uh, Moxley and Kingston they had to cheat. They had to, they had to you know pull Homicide off the out the mothballs to, to help them win. That's why they're getting the rematch in Philly. So of course, Suzuki Goon Ichiban. Here's how much I revere. Minoru Suzuki. That one time he got hacked online and then he reached out to my DMs telling me to buy Ray Bans at 40% off. I did it, you know? <laughs> I didn't question it. I didn't say this looks suspicious. I said, yes, sir. And I bought those Ray Bans and they never showed up, but, you know, I had to close my bank account, but whatever, you know? Is that your Suzuki incident? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, coming up this November, the World Tag League and the best Super Junior participants will alternate on each night throughout the series from opening event on the tour on Saturday, November 13th until the final World Tag League matches in Hiroshima on Sunday, December 12th. And the tournament finals on December 15th in Ryogoku Sumo Hall. Uh, the schedule is going to follow from, again, Saturday, November 13th all the way down to December 15th. So it's going to be a long, arduous uh, (laughs) tournament, night after night, Super Juniors and World Tag League, kind of like what they did last year. Um, As we get participants and everything, the the full um, list of dates and cities is out, but we're still waiting to hear on the participants and everything like that. So we'll let you know when that comes out. Um, House of Glory presents Hashtag Born Again, Friday, November 12th, 8 p.m. in New York City Arena, will be headlined by the rematch between Will Ospreay and The Amazing Red, who Heck we have yeah. not seen since, like, November 2019. Like 2019. Yeah. So that 
sounds awesome. Yeah, looking forward to that, and I hope that means that red could potentially be on strong, because I would love to get some more amazing red in New Japan. Um, other news, Red Pro finished business uh, September 26th. United Empire's Aussie Open. That's Kyle Fletcher and Mark Davis. They did defeat Shota Umino and Yota Suji. Um, and then finally, this Sunday's Revolution Pro Wrestling live at the Cockpit 54. We'll be seeing Suji versus Ricky Knight Jr. So yeah, lots of good stuff happening for our Young Lion boys over in the UK. Yeah, it's good to see Rev Pro kind of revitalized and running and kind of alive again, which, you know, uh, big fan of Red Pro, so that's good to see. Yeah. They, they need better video camera quality, but uh, other than that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then we have uh, the last uh, questions here from Hawaiian Punch VV, and then we'll get to the recommended match of the week. So uh, first he asks, Adam Cole said he would like to wrestle in New Japan again. Who would you like to see him wrestle? Nobody. <laughs> you know, that's the weird thing. I like Adam Cole. I'm a I'm I'm a fan of his, you know, but I'm not a big fan of his the way I, like I I never have really gotten the Adam Cole thing the way other people have. Like I think he's great, I think he's a talent, but I think he fits in certain contexts better than others and I feel like he's really great on that American indie scene. But I've he never clicked for me in Japan for whatever reason and I just can't think of very many people that I'd be like geeked up to see him wrestle in, in New Japan personally. Thank you for not making me be the one to say it. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I feel the same exact way. I don't... Well, think about his whole career. He's been... He's gotten over by being in all the hottest groups, and he's never been the best wrestler or the most over guy in any of the groups he's ever been in, except for maybe the kingdom. And that's questionable. Yeah. So thank you for saying it, because I feel the same way. Yeah, I love Adam Cole. Um, He is one of my favorite guys, uh, but... When I saw this question, I was like, I can't think of one, like, quote-unquote dream match that I don't want to see him again. Like, obviously, you, you put him in there with Chingo and Ishii and Ibushi. Like, they're going to be great matches. Yeah. But, but I'm oh, like, oh. I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not dying to see those matches. I mean, I'd rather have Kyle O'Reilly. You bring Kyle O'Reilly over, and we'll talk, we'll talk some matches I want to see. <laughs> Yo, yeah, give, give us Kyle. Give us Roddy. Let's, let's get Roddy out of uh, NXT oh. 2.0. Bring yeah, Kushida bro. back. <laughs> Hell yeah. Bring, uh, send my son home. <laughs> um, he also asked, have you seen any of the N1? I think uh, Katsuhiko Nakajima versus Masato Tanaka would be your type of match. And you know that probably is true. I just, I, I haven't even watched the G1, so I definitely haven't watched the N1. <laughs> the thing about the N1 is that it's way easier to watch because there's only six days of it and there's literally only four matches on each on each day one block match each and that's it no filler no no fluff but the finals are on sunday and i'm very excited because three of my favorites are going to be making their way into the final final matches so i'm they're doing they're doing a versus b and then c versus d and then the finals all on the same day right correct so i think those matches will be like really low on the card and they gave a couple of rest matches in between and then the the, the finals and and who is it it's uh, uh kiyomiya it, and kino yeah or... kiyomiya and keno and then nakajima against uh funaki, funaki. okay that's a that's a pretty so you strong your, your, final. you have your shiny young boys and then you got your like super striking Defending champion versus 
a guy who's 51 and doesn't look like he's 51. Like he looked like he can kick kick a brick through someone's face. Oh, I know. I love Masakatsu <laughs> Funaki. <laughs> um, thoughts on Usyk's performance? Did you think people will finally? Do you think people will finally stop doubting him on how he'll perform on the road? And yes, um, I thought Usyk just—he was fantastic, man. He was fantastic. I thought Anthony Joshua was a little bit gun shy. But I thought he looked fantastic, and I thought he did an incredible job um, adjusting in the middle rounds, which wasn't something I expected from him. Um, really great fight, way faster paced for a heavyweight, you know, title match than I can re- recall in many, many years. And um, yeah, Usyk gutted that out. I mean, going into the final rounds, I thought Usyk was the more, t- even though he'd won more rounds. Actually, you know what? I'm sorry, going in, coming out of the 10th round, I thought the, the fight was even. And I thought Usyk was the more spent fighter because I thought he'd just expended so much energy with all the head movement and footwork and everything like that. And plus, Anthony Joshua was pressing him those final rounds. But, man, he let his fist fly. He started catching this guy, started timing Anthony Joshua and making him look really bad. And, yeah, it's pretty amazing that – uh. He's the world champion now, so <laughs> um, that was pretty cool. And then his final question here for Fight Talk, thoughts on UFC 266. How crazy was the third round of Volkanovski versus Ortega? What did you think of Nick Diaz and his somewhat effective underwater punching? Uh, Jeremy, did you see UFC 266 this weekend? No, so I missed the UFC this weekend. I was out, oh, I'm, oh, okay. Out, <laughs> out, out on date night with the lady, so did not did not catch it. That is date night. You should be watching UFC 266 on date night. What are you doing? <laughs> no, but um, yeah, um, Volkanovski, Ortega, that's like one of my fight of the year contenders right now. Um, blew me away. Uh, that third round was – so did you hear anything about this, Jeremy? Or Yeah, I listened to uh, Dave and Garrett uh, review it this weekend, and it's, yeah, her was an incredible fight. It, it was an incredible fight, but that third round blew me away because Ortega had Volkanovski locked up twice in that round with deep, deep, like one was a deep guillotine and the other was a, a super deep triangle choke. And I mean, Volkanovski came uh, during the press conference and he was like, they asked him how deep the um, the guillotine was. And he was like, it was deep enough to where I was thinking, oh shit, I'm going to lose the belt. <laughs> <laughs> and I I don't know how he got out of it. It was kind of superhuman. Um, the Nick Diaz fight with Robbie Lawler, incredible. Nick Diaz did look every bit his age. He looked exactly like a man that had been out of the, the cage for five years, and somehow he still went to war. He still went to task, and uh, he still like beat the crap out of Robbie Lawler, even though he lost the fight. I mean, that was a gutsy, 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 gutsy performance, and I mean, I, I was blown away by it, so... Um, Two really, that's three really great fights all on Saturday that I got to see. So that was pretty cool. Nice. Well, let's close things up with the recommended match of the week. So last week, uh, it was Danny's recommendation of KG Muto versus Nobuhiko Takata from January 4th, 96. Uh, watched this before we got recorded. Um, I don't know. I, I wasn't into this matchup. Um, Started. Jer- Jeremy wasn't a fan, Danny. <laughs> it, it was just kind of slow. There was a, a lot of long periods of people being in Kimuras and, and submission holes, and 
Um, you, you would get the big spots. Also, you know, Muto going for the moonsault and just kind of the, the crowd. Would, I mean, the crowd was into it the whole the whole match. And also, I know it was a big match, but you know, me after watching, you know, G ones and Dynamite and Rampage and Stardom, I was like, I don't know, this just wasn't the right pace for me. <laughs> well, as and I, I will agree with you. In fact, I will say this: I thought that the second match they had is the much the rematch is a much better match. Um, spoiler alert, that's the match Takata actually wins. <laughs> so um, that one's pretty great. But, uh, well, I wouldn't say great. It's it's very good. Um, but, you know, last week when, when he brought up this match, I said, this is the biggest match in New Japan history, similar to, like, Hogan-Andre. You would never be like, Hogan-Andre is a classic, but in a certain sense, because of its importance, you kind of have to see it. Same thing with, like, you know, Rock Hogan. You kind of have to see it, even though it's not by any means, like, a truly great match. And I think that's kind of where this would fall. You know, it's it's a super important match. It's good that you saw it. Um, but, you know, it's not like, you know, it's not Omega Okada. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely was not. <laughs> uh, well, sorry. I have a um, recommended match this week for everybody. I think this is going to be more in line with... Um, more conventional tastes. Uh, it is not available on NJPW World, but it is available on YouTube. Um, and it's from the Global Impact episode of TNA Impact. Um, and it features the IWGP third belt championship match between Yuji Nagata and the champion defending Kurt Angle. This is from Wrestle Kingdom 2 in the semi-main event. Ooh. Um, and if you've never seen it, it's well well and it's not overly long either and it's uh it's a it's a really great match it's probably in my opinion from the few appearances that Kurt Angle had in New Japan it's in my opinion the best Kurt Angle match in New Japan definitely gotta check it out because uh Kurt's definitely one of my favorites and I love Blue Justice so that, that sounds yeah, really good yeah we were talking about we were talking about Eugene Nagata earlier in the episode I was like let's 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 let's, let's kick it back you know zip <laughs> Well, that's going to wrap things up uh, for this week. Karen, thank you so much for joining us on the 200th episode celebration. I, I'm glad I was able to be here. Just just call me back before episode 300. <laughs> Definitely, we will do. Uh, but go ahead and tell our listeners where they can find you online, plug all the projects and stuff that you're working on. Oh, my goodness. All right, you can find me on Twitch, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter at HeyKarenSensei. Uh, I am now available on Post Wrestling's website. So if you hop on over there and you just type in Hey Karen Sensei or Karen Peterson, my one article in the Stardom Five Star Grand Prix will show up. I will be doing coverage for them on the 9th of October for the 10th anniversary grand final Osaka Dream Cinderella, uh, November 3rd for Kawasaki Super Wars, November 27th for Tokyo Super Wars. And on December 29th for Stardom Ryogoku Dream Queendom. I don't know if they'll be doing Wrestle Kingdom this year, but they have their own Dream Queendom. So those are the shows I'll be doing reviews for. And then in between, I'll be throwing uh, Stardom updates leading up to these shows on my own personal blog. But I'll have all that linked on my my profile on Twitter. So come hang. Uh, It looks like 
52 minutes ago, there were some additions to the Philadelphia lineup um, that I'm seeing online. So it looks like 205 legend Arya Davari will be debuting for New Japan Pro Wrestling. Oh. <laughs> oh. All right. And he will be facing uh, fellow WWE alumni Alex Zane in singles action on night one. And then there will be a tag team match as Will Ospreay and fellow United Empire teammate TJP face off against Renarita and Clark Connors. Hmm. I got to go save my sons. <laughs> Mom's picking a bag. Uh, interesting lineups there. Well, and, oh, go ahead. No. I was just going to close it down. What were you going to say? I was just going to. I was going to just mention the other two projects I have. She got more projects, Jeremy. Yeah, I got more projects. I'm a very busy. No, I'm not really that busy. Um, when your episode drops tomorrow, I'm guessing there will be another episode of uh, Thomas Island that I'm guest a uh, guest on, and then this coming weekend on Sunday the third, uh, my episode of Post Perus with WH Park will be going live. Awesome man, busy busy girl. <laughs> When it rains, it pours. I haven't done anything for about a half a year now. No, all these projects. <laughs> well, um, it looks like we got this one in the bag and, you know, many more to come, hopefully. Yeah. So everybody check out Karen's work and thank you everybody for all the kind words and helping us celebrate episode 200. Like many of you said, hopefully we are around for 200 more. Uh, this is going to wrap things up next week we'll be back to review G1 Climax 31 uh, the next uh, four or five nights that we have coming up and if you enjoyed today's show please consider making a donation by visiting socialsuplex.com slash donate and click on the donate button under the keeping it strong style logo uh, make sure you connect with us on social media the show on twitter is at ki strong style and it is at social suplex you can follow me at Jeremy L. Donovan on Facebook. We are Facebook.com slash Social Suplex. On the Facebook group, we are Facebook.com slash group slash Wrestling Sports Circle. On Instagram, we're at Social Suplex. On Reddit, I am uh, the pro black guy. I'm keeping a strong style. You can email me, Jeremy at SocialSuplex.com. Check out all the other shows here that we have on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We have Punisher Radio. It's by Rich Latta and James Boyd. We have the Grave Consequences podcast with Caleb and Maserati, the 8-Bit Super, so Josh number two, All Things Elite with Floyd and Austin, and the Great Match Generator with Danny and Adam. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating and review. And we will catch you next week on Keeping a Strong Style, the ace of podcasts. Itchy Bond. Thank you for listening to Keeping It Strong Style. We'll see you next time. 